0: What's cracking, y'all? It's Nipsey Hussle. You already know I'm rocking with my homeboy, Twin City Tone.
1: Good. Feeling it's good, fabulous. man. Fabulous. <laughs> so, so, okay, Tone is in St. Paul. Yep. Lisa's in somewhere in Minneapolis. I'm in Uptown. Oh, word. Okay. I know what's happening in Uptown. And Wiz is <laughs> so, is, is South Minneapolis? No, so West St. West Paul. Oh, of course he is. Of course, man. I just got out of Uptown, Lisa. And... uh, Man, I was there for what? Almost five years? Um, awesome. Yo, uptown is crazy. David drove through and said it looked like the South Bronx. He told crazy. me.
2: Listen, I'm Southside Minneapolis. Florida. I know what I'm it just, is. <laughs> I'm just chilling right now over on the West
1: Side, you know? You move around, bro. You do rounds on this shit. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Mayor of St. Paul. I'm trying to become the mayor of St. Paul. Oh. you branching out. I'm you're putting in seven out. years oh, over here. I got to call Melvin. I'm going to call Melvin, man. I don't if know. Right?
3: Melvin ain't going. You can't have it. Right,
0: check it out, check it out. We are live Hey, Lisa, you got the
2: shade, y'all, just everyone that's uh, tuning in right away. Yeah,
0: that, that's a given, that's a given. I can
3: hear you, I think Tone was trying to start. All right, check it out, check
0: it out. Here we are together again <laughs> on the Twin City Tone Podcast, episode number 136. We are live on YouTube every Saturday at 3 p.m., every Tuesday at 8 p.m., and uh, shout out to Benny Lee checking in on the comments. He said, go radio all day, baby. Big love to the My big bro. homies. Benny Lee, salute, brother. We appreciate you, bro. The
1: best, bro. The Yo, absolute best.
0: Before we get started, make sure to hit that like button, uh, leave a comment, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. And uh, follow me on all social media at Twin City Tone. My co hosts are in the building. Big Wiz, where can they follow you, sir?
2: follow me at bigwiz 612
0: that's right the lovely lisa moy in the place where can they follow you at its lisa moy m o y tap in with them and guys i know i always say we have a special guest and we yeah, everybody who comes in here is special but today we really really have a special special guest he was actually on the second episode of the twin city tone podcast way back mm-hmm. in the day so if you want to check out his life story how he fell in love with yeah, hip-hop for real, for real. How, how, how we got involved in djing how he got into the radio yeah. game all of that the, the episodes i asked like three questions and the episode was like two hours long
1: no it's <laughs> amazing it's, it's come on, i promise not to talk too much today you know i'm bullshitting. i'm here to talk bro.
0: no so, i know it i know yeah, it i know yeah, it yeah, so yeah, so yeah. <laughs> go go in the twin city tone podcast archives episode number two and today we have The one, the only, the legend, the man, the myth, Mr. Peter Parker in the building.
1: My family. My people.
0: Pete, how you feel, man?
1: I feel good being here with you three. I mean, we set it off the mic. I mean, me and Tone have been friends probably, since 2008 right yeah. wiz was the first local artist i met in minneapolis at the mall of america in front of the best buy store he gave me a cd in 2006 wow. i wow. remember the moment i remember the moment uh, me and lisa have been best of friends for like what about five years we've been we've been homies four years we've been homies so it's like yeah. th- these are you guys are family you guys are friends uh, and i set off the mic you, you've you seen the best of me and the absolute tone has seen the absolute worst of me so it's good i, I agree with that i agree with that
0: <laughs> pete. but it's all good man we have all we have ups and downs and all of that you know it is what it is yeah, so, yeah. so today we're continuing our go radio experience series we've had uh a lot of the go djs come and join us and talk about their experience uh when i reached out to pete and said that we were you know we'd love to have him on he was all about it he did say there might be some feelings hurt after this episode. Uh the episode is not going to be for the, the weak or the easily offended. And I right. made sure I made sure I put that asterisk in the promo and I said don't yeah. tune in if you're easily triggered sure or offended.
2: To, I made sure to ask a question
1: later that's gonna make a feeling hurt.
0: Okay. I mean, I knew
1: that. I know, I know, and I said it because I want Wiz to go in. I believe that. I yeah. want Wiz to go in. At least it's gonna be cute, nice. Tom's no, gonna no, be no. So-
0: I don't no, know if Lisa... No. Lisa's not been nice lately. I don't know if she will
1: no. be. No, no, no. <laughs> you gotta work something out, Lisa. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna be, be respectful. Yes, Let's yes. Go. We're all Let's about go. respect. We're all about respect. Oh, I'm so, happy to be here and I love you guys for real. And we
0: love you too, Pete. And one thing that I and I know the others appreciate about you is that uh, you always shoot it straight. We don't pull punches and, you know, we're just gonna do it like that. So, um, Let's get into it, man. Shout out Timmy Sheets in the comments. He said a couple of goats reunited.
1: Uh Oh, talking about a goat. Jesus. <laughs> yeah.
0: The goat, the goat is really <laughs> in the <Literally>. bi- <laughs> Really.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: So let's let's jump into it, Pete. So uh, let's start off with. Um, I mean, I guess we could kind of bring people up to the speed. You first came to Minnesota due to your job. You got hired at B ninety six, and this was 05? Yep. When was this? So it
1: was two thousand and five. I got a phone call. This is a, we're gonna. This is I'm gonna set the tone early with this one. Yep. Um, I got a phone call December twelfth, two thousand and five, at about nine or ten o'clock in the morning. It woke me up, and um, it was the Boston Globe, right? So the Boston Globe, buddy of mine named Mac. I can't remember his last name, Matt something. He had called me because he wanted a comment about four of my friends that were in a rap group called Graveside that had been murdered the night before. Mm. And he called me. And and so I I wake up that morning in my, I was sleeping on a futon. It was a mattress on top of a futon. Right. And I get the call and they say, Hey Pete, and do you have any comments about the rap group Graveside that was killed last night? And I stop for a second and I see another number click. And it's a Minnesota number. And it's Sam. And Sam says, I said, hold on to The Globe. And I go in, I pick up, and it's Sam. And he says, how would you like to come out here and audition to be on the radio? And I said, well, let me get back over and talk to my friend, the guys of The Globe, because my friends were just killed. And what had happened was I was working with a little rap group in Boston. <laughs> they were from Dorchester. Um, and they were like Mob Deep meets Lil John and the East Side Boys, right? They were like gun talk, but crunk music. Okay. And they were young. They were young. And I had all these conversations with them like, man, because of the Biggie and Tupac's and the things that we had seen already. I said, be careful about the energy you put into the universe. Yep. Talking about guns. I had been around other rappers that I won't name right now that I've seen people pull up on the curb like, yo, where the gun's at? Yep. like really g-checking rappers from massachusetts right so i'm yep. like okay and they one of their friends they were selling guns and one of the kids wanted the stash and, and lined them all up and killed them in his mom's basement and oh, it was one of the worst gruesome craziest murders in boston history the guy ended up getting like quadruple life for it and Yo, and that kind of set the tone of what was happening in my life in the, in the moment in that I was like, yo, I, I clicked back over with Sam. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming out there. And I went out December 2005 and auditioned and hung out. And, you know, Sam gave me the job to come out. And I started in February. That's so, crazy.
3: Like a, Did you have, like, a relationship with Sam? Or did you have, like, some conversations before no. this conversation? What came?
1: happened was like this. The old station I was at in Boston was going out of business it was like flipping formats the way that b96 did but they were doing it faster in boston it happened four years earlier in boston and it was flipping and they kept me on late nights to do like the play the commercials and and, like just make monitor the commercials remember the white rapper show that was mc search Yeah. yeah do you remember that the white boy sully that was on the show from boston is a really good friend of mine Okay. And he, he used to come over and pick me up in his father's truck and we would smoke weed in the parking lot and hang out. It was like <laughs> I had nothing to do. I was burning blunts in the parking lot with Sully. And <laughs> I, I was checking the music and we'd listen to the station. And then one night I was in there and I see the computer and I'm just looking through the Radio 1 website and I swear to God, I remember it was dark, like a, like one light in the studio and I'm looking at the computer and it's you know how I like the studio. You guys know the studio. It's dark and it says nights in Minneapolis on the radio one website and a light bulb went off of my head. And I said, y'all kill that. Mm. I will kill that. Mm-hmm. And I put the demo in and I had an interview with David banner that I got by the grace of God. And I put it on the demo. Sam had had a really good interaction with banner like four or five months earlier, like everybody was having, cause he was doing the rounds from the radio cause the get like me record was coming. It was like right. a whisper song promo tour. And, he, he came around, and I had a great interview, Sam had connected with Banner, I had a great Banner interview, and that helped me get the job, I beat out like 250 people, but I had never done a full time show before, I was a wow. weekend personality, I was a mixtape DJ, me and Leeds had thrown like 200 fucking rap concerts in Boston, I think in, in two years, we threw like 70 shows or some crazy shit, and then like I was rolling, but there was a ceiling. I couldn't get on jamini ninety four five I couldn't get full time at my station. My station went under, and I just didn't know what to do and I remember calling my mother like, I have to fucking leave Boston like I was like crying in the car like I don't want to leave, but there's no way I'm not gonna do this. You know what I mean like there's no way I'm gonna do life without doing this. Yep. Do you so, to
3: Minnesota?
1: yeah, and I moved out here uh February sixteenth two thousand and six. I drove 21 hours straight with my sister in the car, filled with trash bags with my clothes and a bunch of sneakers. And I drove straight out here and I had never even been to the Midwest.
0: Wow. It's almost 15 wow. years to the day.
1: Yeah, real, real shit. Real shit. I, I literally had never even been to the I went to that visit, but it was like a vacation. You're downtown at karma mean. dancing. You know what I mean? Like sort of <laughs> trashed. You know what I mean? It was like yeah and I remember on the job interview, remember the old red room at Karma? I do. When it was really Karma, like when it was like the fucking spot. Yeah. I remember me and Sam, this is me and Sam in Karma, and he kept on refilling my drinks, and I was like, yeah, because he was trying to see who I was, you know what I mean? And I just remember being in the back, in the back, thing and I met this little blonde woman I don't know who the hell this was and she's on top of me like tongue kissing me and <laughs> Sam's like I-, I guess this is the night jockey says you know what <laughs> I mean like that's how I was I was so turned up back then like it was you guys know me as turnt but nah it was something different back then you know what I mean and coming off the but no shit though coming off some of the PTSD of my friends dying and the violence I had seen in Boston up to that point, which was fucking horrendous, horrific shit right in front of my face, awful things. Um, I was really on some PTSD shit and I was wilding. And, um, I continued that way for a very fucking long time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, probably, uh, five, six years of that wild man behavior. You know what I mean?
0: Word, word. Okay, so y- call- I'm sorry. Later. No, no, no. I was just going to say that, the the, it's crazy that you got like one of the worst calls of your life and one of the best calls of your life right at the same time you know
1: it was it was it was was, and then me and Leeds had shot uh, uh an article in the newspaper and it was called dynamic duo and it was like me and Leeds in our apartment this Leeds is my childhood best friend that became a promoter and i was the host we were like uh partners like uh like like we he did the parties i kind of was the personality you know what i mean and i had the relationships from radio and he had street money coming from doing scandalous behavior and so we you know what i mean put it together so like we we start yeah it it was that day was crazy man like to get the call about your dream job in a moment where you were these kids who i had warned i had warned them that this was going to happen to them and oh, I didn't know, but I just knew they were going to be in trouble. The way they were talking, right, right. I'm like, someone's going to pull up on you with it. You guys are 19 years old. Like, and yeah. in Roxbury and Dorchester back then, it was like the dip set era. It was very it was real. Yeah, It yeah, was yeah. very real. It was very real. We imagine.
0: All right. So yes. you move out here, you start mm-hmm. nights at B96. This yep. is your first full time gig ever on the radio. Ever. And, and you did kill ever. it. You did
1: kill Dude, it. Dude, I was, t- for the first month, I was fucking terrible. I didn't know what I was doing and I had to, it was baptism by fire. I just, Mm. at the core of this thing, man, I think you guys know this. I'm not really like a, a radio person. I'm an entertainer and a, and I feel like I'm a personality. And I chose radio as a platform, but to me, I was just like hell bent on the craft. Like I love the craft of performing. I love the craft of DJing, of MCing. Wiz knows like you guys know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, i really honor the craft of this. And yes. so,
2: so you take it, you take it seriously, bro, for sure. I, I it,
1: it's, it's given me a platform to express myself in my life. And I, I fucking honor it. You know what I mean? Like I respect it, you know?
4: Yeah. So,
3: so you said you I
1: were think horrible anyone the first month,
3: right? Say again? You were horrible the first month.
1: I just didn't know what I was doing. And I also hadn't been on the air for like two or three months. Okay. So I was just rough and rusty. how do you feel like with like
3: like the people that you were working with
1: Dude, listen to this listen to this listen to this listen to this. so the day i'm going on the air i'm like (laughs) i'm literally peeing my pants i'm like so nervous i'm I'm in in like in the the the, like the pit area where the salespeople were as i'm walking to the studio hot rod walks up to me and with a stack of papers like this big and he's like, hey man, here's all the high schools in the area, all the athletic directors. I need you to know all these people and everything that's going on. He hands me this shit. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, like the fuck out of my way. <laughs> so like, I go in the studio, I go in the studio and Zaney's in there. And Zaney's first break before I get on the air was something like this. Instead of being like, hey, we got a new guy, like good luck, need any help with anything? He's like, yo, so today I'm looking out the window And I see these big black Escalades pull up. I mean, I'm talking about huge with the big lights and the 20 inch rims and there's all these people outside. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I see this car pull up and I'm like, oh, it's the night guy. It's the new night. He paints this picture like I pulled up with an entourage and limos and shit like that. I'm like, is this the button for the mic? I don't know (laughs) what I'm doing. So it's pure (laughs) adrenaline. And I remember the first couple of breaks, everybody in the building was listening and I was bombing like stuttering and wrong buttons and like a fucking train tone worse than you could ever imagine you doing on the air. Like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, were
0: you, were you, were you live or was this Vox pro? It was
1: fucking live, bro. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's live. yeah, bro. It was before I even knew how to do that shit. So then there was a guy that was in there. I can't remember his name. I think he might've been like, um, like an Indian kid, like a he was like a I can't remember his ethnicity, but he was like this little short dude, and he came to me and he was like, "Do you need any help?" And I was like, "Yes." And he like went in the back and like helped me and just to get me through a couple of shows, and then I just kind of figured it out. And uh, the guy that came on after me, Latone Hart, who recently in the last two three months passed away from COVID. Rest in peace to my friend Latone. Oh man! You saw I might have seen the post I put up about Latone. He came on after me. And he was a great friend and he helped me get comfortable and coached me and just, he was a veteran and he was a good guy, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you were on, you were on B96 for, was it four years, five years?
1: Four years, 2006 to right up to 2010, it ended.
0: Okay. All right. So I knew,
1: I knew December 1st, it was done, but it, we, we it, I grabbed Queen B in the club. I'm like, they're going to close it. And she, uh, you know, was, she reminded me of that years later, but, yeah, they um yeah, we I knew Sam told me it was gonna be done. And but they wanted me to stay on. They asked me to stay on to do the ninety six three now stuff, but they wanted me to be more I remember like a Carson they wanted me to be like a Carson Daly. And uh Carson I didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Daly. Like, a daily? Can- like a like a like a, a like, a, like just a a like a like a top forty
0: guy, right? Like a
1: person that isn't completely invested in hip hop culture. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, no, yeah. So I was like, No, I don't want that. Give me the package. No, yeah. and I took because I knew after being on there, Wiz. You tell me if I'm wrong, being on there for four years hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. Yeah, hey, here's Jason Derulo. <laughs>
5: uh, it would have
1: been suicide. <laughs> you geez. might have voice, <laughs> Jason Derulo. Like, oh. So I fucking took the package, didn't know what I was doing, <clears throat> blew it fucked up, and by the August of that year, I was flat broke living in my sister's basement in South Boston with about $12 in my pocket and had no idea what I was going to do I was fucked I I had no idea so it was it was a really really good learning experience that humbled me and kind of got me into a better groove um I needed that I w- I came off B96 pretty turned up but you thinking about how I started um and then just the stress of it like what you guys may not take into consideration sometimes is like when you move from city to city as a radio personality you do not know the good guys from the bad guys when i came up in boston i was able to i knew who everybody was i knew the street guys the good ones the bad ones the fucking cops i knew everybody in town when i showed up in minneapolis i didn't know wiz was a good guy or a bad guy he had the uniform on but i don't know because i've seen the bad guys that look like us right so I, i i didn't know and so it took me I had trust issues um, and I didn't come up with you guys. So it was like, it was like, I got shot out of a cannon. And because of my appearance or maybe my personality, people just assumed I was like a a Zach Morris type, a guy who was just like a one at everything and things were just handed to him. And like a a lucky guy, you know what I mean? Like, and and that was not the case, you know? So it was very frustrating to be uh, perceived in, the opposite potentially way that who, who you are, I had to fight against that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that people don't think about is because you're on foreign territory. You got to navigate through all of it. And listen, man, there are some guys out here. You can get caught up really easy in these cities, you know,
1: anywhere, any city, any hood. Right. So like, and 99.9% of the time, When you get these jobs in these markets, the only person that wants you there, it's one person. It's a program director or an operations manager that says, this is the right guy for the job. You have beat out 10 people on the bench, fucking 200 people that sent air checks in. True story. When I got the job at B96, first week I was on the air, I'm pretty sure this was Dan Edwards. Remember Dan Edwards? I I I think Dan was the one that called me, but because I know the voice now. My memory's crazy, but- I remember I get a phone call at like 11 o'clock at night. I pick it up. I'm like, oh, B-96. I'm all happy and shit. And guy's like, why did you get this job? On the request line, I'm like, hello? He's like, why are you talented? Why did you get this job? I don't understand it. I said, listen, man, tomorrow night, I'm going to be down to the Escape Ultra Lounge. You should come down there so I could beat the shit out of you. <laughs> right? And I was like, I'm from Boston, son. Come out and get fucking beat up. And like, that was my response. <laughs> and like, and that's how I feel. Like, you know what I mean? Like for real, like I'm, I'm risking my life. I'm out here, I'm putting on for you guys. I'm trying to uplift. Right. You, you want, come on out and get smacked. Yeah. That's what I would, time and time, time I was. That's, that's what I was on. You know what I mean? For real. Like yeah. And I was trying to set the tone because I was by myself. Mm-hmm. I had no Brock with me. I had no tone with me. I, had, I was by myself. I met Street Kings for the first time with a salesperson that later on embezzled like 20 grand from the company. Twig came to my house and tried to give me $10,000. I had $20 Cash. to my name. He, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my parking lot in St. Louis Park in the backseat of a rented Chrysler 300 and Twig from Street Kings, shout out to him, boo respect to Twig. A fucking legend he's my piece, brother that. the god right yeah. he's sitting in front of me and he goes like this <whistles> slides it back on the armrest i never forget it. it was about this high i was like <whistles> <laughs> i was like i said make a great record make amazing music and i'll support you to the fucking cows come home bro like i'm not taking your money right like, Yeah. I'll starve, yeah. but I ended up borrowing a hundred dollars from a bottle service girl that Friday at Escape, so I could pay my fucking bills. Wow! You know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. What, you know, don't know what, what? That 10,
3: always there for y'all.
1: <laughs> you don't know what that ten
2: thousand entails. Sometimes you know. Uh, they,
4: you're, oh, you I know! I know! It comes I with know, a lot.
2: Man. It comes yeah. with a lot. They're you know gonna be pressing with? you every radio show. Why didn't you play our record tonight?
1: Yep. Why is you spinning us in cost. the club? They own you, bro. Yep. but You know what and I did. But they ended up making good records, and they who did. did I support? Of course, Street Kings, all and
2: of them. Mr. Neo too, brothers,
1: all of them. Neil, everybody. All R.I. right, P to B. All right, Yeah,
0: I, you know, homeboy I homeboy. said homeboy. Homeboy. he
1: was a he was the man, bro. They were the, the homeboy. Homeboy. awesome, man. The man. They, they, they were this close, bro. They were this close to going the grand hustle route or something. Malcolm too. Yep. What? Where is he at, man? He's still He's podcasting. Hmm. Okay. Go looking out. Okay, so yeah, so it, it was, you can see that this shit wasn't just like some like cutesy radio shit. This was like, I was outside, outside, and bro, I don't I didn't grow up in a super inner city environment. It could have been the opposite. I grew up like almost like in the woods, uh, north of Boston, and it was like, for me, I, I'd been in the city since I was about 13, but coming to places like this, people where I'm from don't do what I did. You know what I mean? They don't go to Boston and to get on the radio. They don't go to, they don't do that. You know what I mean? So right. it was it was unique energy that I was exhibiting. But I, I can show you something. I, I have I told you I have props, right? So like check yeah. this out. I got I got stuff for you to see. So <laughs> this is a picture. I don't know if you can see this. This is me when I was two years old at a fashion show. You see the little boy? Hold on. See the little boy? Hold on. So what do I'm you want? See, the top with the right? Red? With the red? See the, no, 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 no. Up, up, yeah. See, up the woman holding the little boy's hand. Oh, hands. yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. Oh,
0: I
3: see it,
1: yep. Yeah. I was two <laughs> years old in fashion shows at the mall. Wow. You were, you, you were dripping early. Bro. <laughs> <Girl>. Early.
3: Modeling.
2: <laughs> My you, Pete, Pete I, the first memory I remember is the Mall of America with you. The second memory is that sound set, the first sound set out at Canterbury. You walked up to me, you go... Yo, you got the Air Max 95 OGs on that soundset, son. I was like,
4: "What are you doing?"
2: (laughs) I said, "Bro, I got a few pairs of these." Bro, you were like, "Yo, okay, that's what kind of sparked that whole,
1: (laughs) homies." Like, they were. I have nothing but love, nothing but love for Wiz, man, and and yo, that that's what time I've been on since I was a kid. Like, I see somebody with the sneakers. It's like that was always a conduit. Like the Jordans, the '95s, the Hill figure jackets, whatever it was, was like, oh, that's one of us. Yep. Yep. So it, I, I always connected. I, that's why I got into this. Not to be some sort of elitist star. I really love to connect with people and share information and music. That's why I, did, I fucking love people. Like well, and
0: I think that's why, at least for Minnesota and the Twin Cities, why you've been so embraced. Because you didn't walk around like with your nose up in the air, like pushing people like too good to talk to you. It was just like, hey, what's up? Mr. Peter Parker, how you doing? You know what I mean? Like you would actually walk up to people and introduce yourself. And people, I've seen it happen. Like you walk up to just somebody in the crowd. Hey, Mr. Peter Parker, nice to meet you. And they're just like, "All oh, right, listen to you." You know, like they're like they couldn't yeah, believe yeah. like you actually came up and started a conversation with them as opposed be way to their too personal.
1: Yeah, way too per- be like, be like, hey man, here's my life story. Like <laughs> it's like I just, uh, I love it, man. It's what I always wanted. When I here's a good story. When I was a little kid, when I moved first moved to New Hampshire. Um, and I was probably 1985, and it was like the middle of the woods, and there was like the neighborhood was like a circle, and these kids were riding dirt bikes around the neighborhood, and they would go. There was like acres of woods behind my house, and there was still paint left. And I remember I had a board. My mother's gonna die when I tell. And I wrote on the board like a stop sign. I was probably six or seven, six maybe. I <laughs> drew the stop sign, and I wrote, "Please stop." And be my friend. And I stood at the end of the road and held it up for the motorcycle kids. Drive the high school kids on dirt bikes in '85. And I'm like, Uh I just wanted. And my daughter's the same way. She's like, when she used to go to the park, she'd see kid friends. My kid friends. Shout out vivi (laughs) Hold on. Let me fix my phone. Hold on one second. Let me fix my phone. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Do your thing. There we go. Now I can see you, motherfuckers. Here we go hey there we go hey. all right well, know, let's, let's so, go keep it going keep it
3: going. was just saying how much love you got from the city right yeah love there's there's hate right yeah.
5: come on come
3: on love there comes hate and again you you know you brand new to the city you are heavily submerged in hip-hop community culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people are looking at you and they're like is this a gimmick i don't believe it what does he know about?" Hip hop being what you being who you are and what you're yeah, look just like.
1: looking at me. I get it. Just looking, just looking at me. At That's you. all really it's all of yeah. hearing me, maybe. Yeah. Like uh yeah. maybe not knowing people like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where I come from, and Tone can tell you this, Peter Parker types yeah. are like a dime a dozen. Like we're like white boys from the Northeast move like me, talk like me. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I would I'm like anybody in the world, but I know that. I, I'm my style, my friends, like, you know, Tito Tone, like Tito and me are like the same type of a guy. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's what connected me to Tone. He reminded me of an East coast guy, his demeanor, his taste in music. He was someone that, uh, he was a street guy. So there was ethics to him and, and, and the way he moved and the way he thought about things. It wasn't just hip hop, uh, an affinity for, for the culture. It was like he lived culture. You know what I mean? So that was why what drew me to tone originally it was just like he reminded me of one of my east coast friends
3: mm-hmm. so what so how did you um navigate to the people who were like naysayers or or, or thought you were gimmicky or thought that you wasn't being you give a
1: fuck. i've been dealing with my whole life At least you gotta remember like I, I, eighth grade first day eighth grade i get on the bus i got the fucking chicago bulls cursive starter button-up baseball yes. jersey right wow. the jabot the jabot joints with the knife yeah. pocket right <laughs> brand new pair of air raids i'm talking about out the box <laughs> with the with the pinstripe jacket with a pinstripe hat i yeah. get on the bus and the older high school kids were like no we're gonna fuck him up like we're gonna steal his hat we're gonna go steal his bike like right. hip hop was not a popular thing where I was from. So I had been dealing with scrutiny about who I am since I was probably 11. Uh, let me show you another, let me th- you, know me you another one. Let me give you another <laughs> he one. Brought right. He brought props. He brought props. That's what I do, man. Come on. Brought- I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. <laughs> on, get, I'm going to take this one out he so you can see it day better. day
3: one, since day one, I've been true to this.
1: Listen, this is me and my mother. In Maine, 92, Wiz. 92. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm, not new to this. Like, (laughs) I'm not new to this.
3: I I know you're genuine.
1: That was the black white socks hat. Yeah, it was that Marky so, Mark shit. You know what I mean? Like it, with, with, with Tales from the Wild Side. It was the, and the the logo on the shirt was the Flight logo. Remember the old ass that, that, that White Sox, F. that was
2: popping. Period back then, that White sock shit was hard. That was when
1: it was brand new. It was the yeah. new one. I ended up getting oh, that stolen. Went and played and
2: for the White Sox for a little bit. That was crazy.
1: You know, yeah. That logo, that black and white, because the Raiders one was the one, and then the White it Sox came in and it was. It. Oh, that was the that
2: was the hat. I'm telling you. So
1: the White Sox that was a big look, and I ended up that hat. So like the 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 fighting and the, the scrapping and the negative energy and people calling me a wigger uh, since I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Eleven years old.
3: So you Adults? Called, were you being called that from, from white people and black people? Yes.
1: No, just white people. Just mm-hmm. white people. Just white people. You that. Just you. Black yeah, people, white people and me were like this. White people were like, you're a wannabe. You're a poser. Really? You're not that. And yeah. it, and they made it evident. Like, nah, you're we're, 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 like, put your fucking head down. Like, fuck you. Word? Wow. Well, you got to remember, I grew up in a town. Called Sandown, New Hampshire. Ve- Trump, on his tour when he first went out, visited the town. It was, a ve- it was a very small white trash community. And that I basically, my father built a house there because he thought it was a developing area and it didn't develop the way we thought it was going to develop.
0: How, how, big is the, like, how big was the town you grew up in? Like and population? No, it, it had
1: one. Under 10,000 people. Okay, so yeah, okay. One gas station that burnt down, no grocery store. But we're talking about, it was like a bedroom community. It was like, a then you go one town over and all the action's right there. You know what I mean? It was was only-
3: You didn't have have many black people in your town.
1: Lisa, I didn't see a black person in person till I was nine years old. Wow.
5: Serious.
1: I went to Washington, D.C and I was standing in line at a McDonald's with my mother. And I was like, kinda like listening to like Fresh Prince, like uh, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, I was into that bag kinda. And I was at the McDonald's with my mother and I remember looking and I was like, wow, all the people that worked there were black. I'd never seen that before. And I was like, whoa, I turned around, everybody in the fucking McDonald's was black. I looked at my mother like, what? Like I was like, it was a culture shock. It was just How like- absolutely complete, and then i had i had taken white black friends that i met playing basketball in prep school to new hampshire and they they acted the same way like i gotta get the fuck out of here like mm. it was it was such a and my first really close um i had acquaintances but my first black friend that was like a friend to this day is my buddy kb Amadi from the east side of detroit who was the point guard backup point guard on my prep school basketball team we are best friends to this day we speak five times a month, and he ended up being valedictorian. This man went from hand-to-handing work in the streets of the east side of Detroit to going to this white prep school up in Maine. Valedictorian, went to Michigan State, wow. worked for Bad Boy, Rockefeller, worked for everybody, MTV, and then dominated the stock market. And now he's back in Detroit developing artists. This is my brother. So That's nice. Meet, so meeting up. him. Yeah, meeting him was really big because I just came off my peers being very rough to me, and he was somebody that was like, oh, no, nah, you fuck cool. Let's go. And I was like, word. Bingo. Oh. I-, I got that. Thank you for the validation. And um, I have a story about KB real quick. When I was in prep school, we went on a, tr- a team trip to go play a basketball tournament. And my roommate was a goofy motherfucker from New Hampshire. And people didn't like him. So they broke into our room when we were gone and stole all of our stuff. I, I, I got an AvaRex fucking stolen <laughs> Ava um, like, in 97. So you know what I mean? Like an AV, my all my shit, video games, everything. And I knew who did it. There was this racist white boy from West Virginia who had been a three-time prep school kid who couldn't get Fucking passed the SATs and he was just a jealous fucking at- he was 21, we're all 18. Yeah. So he and he was rich kid too. Broke into our room and whatever and stole our stuff. So I remember finding out, I knew he did it. So I was telling people, like, I think so-and-so stole my shit. And it got back to him. He was like, Yo, I'm gonna fuck you up. And I was like, all right, he was a he was like defensive, uh, a defensive end or something. He was like a strong, safe Big dude soul- then. Dude, at 21, we're 18. His shoulders were like this wide, right? So (laughs) he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. So I'm like, all right. So it kind of festered with me. So I remember being in the back of the, the back of the fucking cafeteria with um, the basketball team, right? And so it's me, a couple other white boys, and guys from New York City, fucking Detroit, DC, so these are you know, guys all from the-
0: all over the country are yeah. at this okay. I
1: played I played class A New England Prep, the number one high school prep league in the country in the late nineties, and it was unbelievable. It was all guys from New York City, DC, Detroit, California. Wow, it was Boston. I mean, talking about amazing guys that went to the league, you know? Yeah. And so Um, I'm in the back with K and remember the old Chappelle skit about the white boy that hangs out with the black guys? (laughs) Yeah. Remember what they said? What did they say, Tom? You talking about when they were driving? Like that one? No, 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 no. no. That's something different. That's another story. Um, Chappelle (laughs) said the white guy He's the craziest one. Because you don't know what he had to do (laughs) to earn their respect, right? (laughs) I'm in the back. I'm in the back with the basketball team and I'm with K and I'm like, watch this watch this and i get up mind you this is 250 alpha males in the middle of the woods in maine everybody's trying to play football basketball hockey baseball or soccer that's it so all guys prep school one year because i fucked up in high school because i was djing and i didn't do my grades and 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 i was a late bloomer so i like i knew i could get on so i'm in the back i stand up and i walk in front of the whole fucking school And I sit down across some dude and I'm like, so, I'm like, I heard you gonna fuck me up. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna beat you up. I said, you know what, man? I said, you should do it right now in front of everybody. And he goes, nah, I'm eating right now. And I'm like, well, I would prefer if you did it now. And I take his food and push it off the fucking table in front of the whole school. Yo, this is a movie. This is real shit. Right as I fucking dump the food, who's walking up to sit down next to me in front of the whole school? Best friend. KB. KB. Uh, And he stood with me. And that that kid, the pussy that that racist white boy was, he saw Kate. He was like, K's from Nigeria. He ain't fucking with Kate. I'm going to use a Brock term for you. Kate teared a fur off him right? <laughs> and and that's what it was was that and that that brotherhood and that kinship was something that I had been looking for my whole life. and he um he ended up being a, one of my best friends to this day I'll do anything for him. That's, a that's dope, moment, man sure. oh. that, that's it was amazing. amazing. I told book. him that too. I told him that too, and he never he didn't even realize it at the time. And I was like, no, that's you gave me sh- I's not supposed sh-
2: to realize it though. That was your defining moment. Oh.
1: it was it was a big moment for me and and, and at that know- point. Yeah, because you went off this—you didn't know he was going to come sit down. No, I was—I was at the point where I was ready to. I was like Big's first out. If it's gonna go down, going to go down, let's go. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to let you. I've always been a type of person, Tony, You know this. If it goes, push comes to shove, and it's Pete's soft or Pete's crazy, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose crazy every single fucking time. I'm never going to be. That's just a Boston thing, I think. That I would rather. I'd rather shift the energy than get mushed in the corner. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. And I'm not, re- and, and to be honest, all this tough talk on the call today, I'm actually, and you guys, I'm pretty fucking gentle, fucking nice guy. This is like, these perspectives are all, have been adopted through this. This is all stuff. When I was sand down Pete, I was not like this.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's I was it shows maturity though, and like one of the things that I I I like to de- define it as is uh dangerous but civilized. Like I'm cool, love- I'm I'm super yeah. cool, but like if yeah. you push me, my family, if I have to defend, then you know we'll 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 get into that bag. But uh I prefer to sense. just chill, you know.
1: I prefer I prefer peace, but yes, it, I think I think as a survivalist, you know what I mean. You you just push comes to shove, man, and. You know, I've always been able to talk my way out of stuff or be able to smooth things over, but sometimes you gotta you gotta bark a little bit, man. But to be honest with you. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, but then a little bit goes a long way. I think unfortunately. Uh, you're right. You know, but I think that with maturity, like Tone says, I'm glad nothing terrible ever happened. And I'm glad that people, we learn from all these situations and and we can learn from these stories. We could tell these stories about the graveside kids and like what really happened. I did a, I one time on the radio, somebody was like, you won't play my music because it got guns in it. I'm like, you want to know why? I'll tell you why. And they shut right up when you tell them that four of your friends got killed execution style. Yeah, right?
0: Right. But let me grab some comments real quick. Shout out to Jack Knutson. and he says, "Mr. Peter Parker is genuinely the realest, most authentically dope person I've met and have had the pleasure of conversing with in person. A yes, real OG man. once told me with great power comes great responsibility that builds. Big love from South Uptown Minneapolis. Let's go."
1: That's my guy, man. That's Shout my guy. out to
0: Jack. That's love awesome. right there, man. So let's uh, let's 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 uh, go ahead, Lisa.
3: A few that negative
1: you know, back. you know what, man? They manifest things. Like when, what I tell people is, when you become a guy on the radio with a voice like I was, and they have billboards or like these big things, you become more of an idea than you are like a human being. Yeah. And people hated the idea of failure and were trying to put something on. whiz, how many people can you count on your both hands? Have told you that I ain't shit but never even spoke to me.
2: Uh, yep. You know how many times I came to you and I wouldn't even entertain it anymore. I would just talk to them like, nah, listen. This is what the, you're, you're bugging because I got it a lot. Because a lot it's of people... Okay. It's okay. Right a lot of people saw me next to Pete a few different times. Me and Pete been good and me and Pete Bump has before. Of course. But, but, we're, but we're cool enough to link back up and realize that was just some, some us being
1: alpha males and us
2: being Stubborn and I was stupid, stupidity. But
1: And, and, I, and what I'm re- reflecting on now, Wiz, is that it was, as you go through this journey, there's bumps and there's damage in the road and it skews your perspective. So at times, it, it, it was it, it was wrong. I was wrong at times, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I first started working GO, before I worked that GO, people were like, let me know if he disrespects you or let me know if he goes crazy on you. I'm like, first of all, he's not gonna, first of all, good. No. Not gonna go crazy on me, <laughs> I don't need anybody,
1: <laughs> yeah. But Lisa, you, but Lisa, you saw the potential though, you know what I mean? Like,
3: you know, like, I don't need anybody to defend me if he goes crazy on me. I need you to defend no. him if he tries to go crazy on me. That's Have not I showed
1: me. you anything but respect the ultimate no. respect?
3: Or, see, I think it's because of how I can approach you as well. I feel like if you mm-hmm. approach someone with respect. You get the respect back. But if yeah. you approach someone with some bullshit, then I mean I can see why he bitch your head off. You know what I'm saying? Like of course.
1: And 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 I was I was I was suffering from PTSD from some things that I had happened. When I was in Boston before I came out, uh walking home from a nightclub one night, I saw a kid get hit by a car and die in front of me.
2: I saw that downtown one time too. Bro. He
1: flipped in the air, and and I saw the whole thing, and you know things like that, like things that are just kind of stay with you because you're outside, outside. You know what I mean? You guys all know this, Wiz. You know this, Tony knows When you're all this, there's wild things that happen outside. You know what I mean? Like, wildest thing. Yep. Wildest thing. So you know, I've, I'm coming to peace with a lot, a lot of it, and the break from go has been really therapeutic because you know I just hadn't stopped. You know what I mean? And, um. It was, I, I, I burdened a lot of stuff. I put it on my own back. I, I believed, like, think of this, man. I'm like a Tom Brady, right? What is he, last pick in the draft? Like, became the champion. Out of, outside the MAGA shit, I fuck with Tom because of that. You know what I mean? Because he's he's an underdog. And he ca- I've always had the underdog mentality, even when I was on. Like, you know this, Tony. I don't, I don't chill. I don't chill. I just go, go, Just go, go, go. that go. wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't correct. It was, it was all, gas,
0: no breaks. all gas, oh, no brakes. All gas,
1: no brakes. Compromise the product. Compromise my craft. Compromise my mental health. Like, nah, bro. It's different now.
3: So, so going forward, knowing this, how are you going to still go hard because that's in you and that's what you like to do? Yeah. Go also find the balance to, like, give yourself... Here's what, here's
1: what I'm not going to do ever again. I'm never gonna stress myself out about making somebody else money. Mm. Boss boss talk right there.
3: That's a good one. I'm never
1: gonna compromise my mental health to help someone that's already set make a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think at times the industry that we've worked in and that we've all loved and put on a pedestal has been um, toxic. Because of not because of the craft or maybe not even the people sometimes, but the system of how it works, how we're pushed. I mean, I felt at times during go, I couldn't top myself, but I I was trying to figure out how to top myself all the time. So it's like squee trying to make a fill a swimming pool with one lemon, like like you can't like I could. I can't be funnier than me. Yep. Right. And, and that's what I was trying to do, and and I was I was I was, I'll tell you though, as far as my skill set and my confidence and my bag of tricks, it was it was the most, it was the best. Go was the best thing I've ever been a part of. So let- I mean to help me.
0: I just want, just to bring people up to speed a little bit. So, B96 ended. You moved back out to Boston. You ended up getting a job in D.C., mm-hmm. right? So, you went mm-hmm. to D.C., WPGC out there.
1: Before that, before that, before that, Tom. Remember we yeah. were supposed to go to New York for the MTV thing?
0: Yeah, I do remember. I missed my flight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right. So me and Tone go back so far. Tone's been, Tone's been to the BET Hip Hop Awards with me in LA. He showed yeah. up with his shirt on inside out and backwards because he was so drunk on the plane. Hennessy, um, free in first class. But, uh, <laughs> Tone took a picture not, for the staple.
3: Not, not, not get up at six a.m. and pray and meditate and write your plans no, down. I, is, like, I
0: mean, I still do all that, but. <laughs> listen, listen.
1: Tone has a picture. I want you to repost it. You know, in front of the Staples Center and your shirt's on inside out and backwards. And I'm like, I'm like, is someone your collar's high, bro? Like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) So me and Tone been running. I got an interview at MTV in the Viacom building in 2010 to go uh, audition with them. And I said, Tone, come out with me. And he just ended up, by whatever circumstances, missed his flight. And uh, I went out there by myself and auditions and stuff like that. It was fucking crazy. They so offered right you before... a show,
0: though. Let's let's not skip that part.
1: They did. Okay. Offer... So I turned. This is the craziest shit, man. I'm gonna tell you this. This is this is and this this is, this is me in a nutshell, right? Um, I went out there. I was living with M in South Minneapolis, over on West Lake Street, on the uh, St. Louis Park side, and small apartment. And I ended up, Dro, you know, Dro that ended up signing Mimic. Yeah. Drove drove from Shady from Def Jam. Def Jam. Yep. Me and him been friends that long. We've, we've known since 06. So Dro hits me like, yo, you should go out to New York and audition and da-da-da-da-da. da because he's like, What are you doing? I'm like, nothing. He's like, Wait, you're Peter Parker? You're doing nothing? I said, Bro, I'm doing nothing. So he get, he sets it up for me and I fly out there on Leeds's ticket. Leeds buying me a plane ticket. I go out there and I, I was it was a long story short. I fucking finagle my way into the building all disheveled and late for the meeting. And then they end up calling me back later that night. Can you come back tomorrow? Test screen with executives. So I go up to like the 85th floor of Times Square Viacom building with the snapback and the backpack on. You know what I mean? I walk into this room table. <laughs> Listen, there's a big, t- it's on a corner. The room's on a corner, nothing but windows overlooking Times Square, one big table with a camera in the middle and seven people on one side and a seat on the other.
2: Oh shit!
1: <laughs> they sit me down with the camera on me and start throwing shit at me. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I'm like, bah, 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 bah. we leave. The, the lady says to me, "You know what? I think you'd be great for this thing we have in development called Guy Code." You guys remember oh that? Oh my code! <laughs> And so oh I was like, said, so all these remember Charlemagne, Lil Duval, yes. Andrew Schultz, yes. Andrew Schultz oh, all these big oh, stars my now starting. Yes. Remember they used to put Charlemagne and Lil Duvall together, right? So I I I went and they said, all you got to do is send in a reel and send in a fucking de- resume and we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving up, we'll move forward. Uh-huh. And I ended up getting back there, struggled a little bit the first couple days trying to get the reel together, looked at my girl one day and said, if I go do this, I'm losing this woman. And I was really confident of what I do and who I am. I didn't follow through with it. I just kind of like let it, let it sit. And I, and I told them, I said, listen, I can't, cause it wasn't a job. It was an opportunity, right? It was like, right. it was like, you can come out here and sleep on Dro's couch and fucking Flatbush and take a fucking train in and shuck and jive on MTV at 31 years old. Yeah. But I was like, I knew I would be, lose my girl. Because she was just not, she was young, and I was like, it, she's not going to wait for this. Were you and we're
3: not married yet.
1: No, we were just dating and, and right. living together, right? And she had, when I lost my job, she was like, no, come back to Minnesota. You can stay with me. And mm-hmm. she ended up flying back and bringing me back to Minnesota. Okay. And so I was living with her, and, and we had an apartment, and I just knew I was going to lose, lose her. So, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's maybe I was wrong, but I thought I, I felt. And so I was like, nah. I said, let me get back out east and I'll call you. And I ended up getting the job in D.C. about a month later. And it never really transpired. I I connected with them. But D.C. radio was so hectic and such a beast unto itself that I just was locked into that. And, um, yeah, so I basically kind of turned MTV down because I knew long term that this is what I'm going to do for my whole life. And that one little opportunity ain't going to make or break me, even, even, even if it is MTV.
0: Yeah, it wasn't part of your path, you know?
1: Mm, not at
0: all. Not at all.
3: Yep. I love that. I love that you turned MTV down. A lot of people probably wouldn't have turned
0: Mo- I don't know anybody that would, except like people, you know? Right.
3: You, it it,
1: was, it it, was, like, I saw was, it, so though.
3: You can't take every opportunity, though.
1: Right. No, you can't. It has to be right. And even, I just knew, like, this ain't it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I gotta do more, like... And, and, and let me just do what I'm doing right now. And the DC job was great. And Brock, I met Brock out there. And Shout all out, these Brock. Great things happened, my brother. And so, at the end of the day, it was like I don't regret it at all. I have, so, and I have so, a, beautiful, a beautiful wife, a beautiful child, and that's right. part of my life. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not like a guy that just is like a rogue entertainer. I have a family. I'm not who I am. I love my wife and I love my daughter. I'm not going to be who I'm not. You know? Yeah. So would you say you had?
3: So would you say you had? No plan B when it comes to, like, radio. Like, it was radio
1: That's Yo, thing. Lisa, Lisa, you want to know my plan B? No plan B. No plan B.
3: Okay. That's
1: plan B? fam. this is me.
3: Okay.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, this is my whole life. I knew I was going to do this when I was fucking six years old. Yeah. Like, I used to make demo tapes in my, me and my sister, I have a cassette tape somewhere with a game show called Name That Fart. And I'm, I'm five, and she's two. And I'm like, okay, right now, here it is. Jenny, name that fart. <laughs> and she'd be like, da, 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 laughing in the background. What, Dude, I, was, I, wanted, I, wanted I wanted to be eight
5: bo- or what?
1: <laughs> five years old. I wanted to be Bob Barker, bro. You know what I mean? Like, wow. So my whole <laughs> life, I knew I was going to be an entertainer. Family. I'm going to tell you some really asshole, delusional, narcissistic shit. I used to, when I was in college, used to go to the South Shore Plaza by myself. It was like a mall in in Braintree, Massachusetts. And it was like movie theater over there. And shit. I used to go to, that was my mall when I was in college. And I used to walk around the South Shore Plaza all the time by myself. And I used to think in my head, you better get used to this because one day you're not going to be able to walk around the mall. And you should enjoy this right now because you're going to be so fucking famous that you're not going to be able to do things like this anymore. That's how I thought. Yeah. Because I just thought my talent was going to, Shoot me to the moon. I thought that I was going to be on television. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I wanted to be an actor. Like, there was all these things that I wanted to do. And radio just kind of, like, took over everything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That I, it just became something to, to survive it. I had to go all in. I couldn't do it 20%. Right. You know I mean? you, you guys know if you, no shots fired. Weekend personality, full-time personality. It's a different ballgame. You know what I mean? Like fat. different. You know yeah. Lisa? You know that's
3: fucking fact. It's <laughs> different. Different. Different.
1: It's different. Yeah,
0: trying to come up with a show, you know, once or twice a week as opposed to every day. That's wow. It's a totally different grind. It, it's very it does. Neurotic. It because you know I've. I've said this on other episodes too. And I actually I told this story, Pete. I don't know if you heard it, but I, I was in the car with somebody one day and your show had just came on, like my intro song played. And they're like, How long is Peter Park on the air? Three to what? I was like, Three to seven. They're like, Wow, he only works four hours a day. That's dope. I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The dude gets to the office at around nine or 10 in the morning, does office stuff, emails, talks to label reps, puts together a show, uploads music. Like he's doing all this. Then he goes to show preps. Then he goes on the air at three. Then he gets done at seven. Then he goes back to his office and works another few hours. So he actually is in there for about 10 to 12 hours a day. But you only see him for four. And they're like, oh. Yeah, it wasn't
1: always like that, though. No. Cleveland I, Cleveland, I worked 20, 25 hours a week on the air. DC, I was about 30 hours a week on the air and no other stuff. So i just show up, rock, and go home, go to a club. So Go was different. Where I was uh, I was uh, an exe- like, um, uh, manager in a manager and a Music director, which is something I worked for for a very long time. Music director is what I wanted to be. Yeah. Over program, the program director's cool, but it's like administrative work. Music director is tastemaker, pick the songs, put together the concerts, uh, deal with the labels, and and, and that was where my passion has always been. Music. And as much as I like to entertain and crack jokes and shit, I fucking love rap music. I love music. Yeah. You know what I mean, like yeah.
0: Yo, so how long were you on air in DC?
1: Uh, about three three and a half years
0: okay so about three three and a half years then you left dc and went to the, cleveland. cleveland
1: that was not a fun experience that cleveland was rough um shot to everyone out there that i'm friends with my girl Pageon. i don't know if you know paigeon from 106 and park she when they went to the four yeah. hosts we, we hung out with her in
0: la when we went to the
1: bt my like sister cool. man she she's yeah. a really tremendous 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 talent an amazing person and she, uh, she was there with me. And that was one of the things that drew me that was another national personality there. But um, Cleveland was one of those situations where the only person that wanted me there was the the general manager and the executives in DC. And that the people of the station did not want me there. And mm. that uh, they, they weren't happy that I was there. And so it was, it was frustrating, you know?
0: I can't imagine like, cause being on the air and all of that is like, engulf- it engulfs you and it's stressful enough. But like at Go, you know, it was like I had Pete, Lisa, like everybody generally for the most part is cool, but I can't imagine going into work every day and like knowing your coworkers don't even want you there.
1: Dude, there was coworkers in D.C. <laughs> there was people in D.C. that were actively trying to get me fired on a daily basis. Like I would show up and it would be HR meetings about salacious lies and things like that. And so there was one guy that I was like, yo, you keep when he comes in the building, he has to go over there and sit on the couch. He's not allowed in the studio. I do not want to see his face. And I'm gonna. When I leave, then he can enter the studio. Wow. It was that serious of a fucking situation. And 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 I I mean that was one of maybe that was one of the worst. But then same thing in Cleveland. It was I was clearing the studio, uh, telling people to get out of the studio, and really putting my foot down. To protect my energy and to protect the energy in the room you guys know like as a lead personality whether you're weekends or whatever i've always taught you guys if you're behind the board yeah. you're behind the mic yeah. you control the energy in the room yep. it's your room you're the yep. quarterback of the room it's not if, if someone's having a sidebar conversation while you are on the vox pro kick them the fuck out yep. you know yep. what i mean like you gotta go go have that in the hallway hey, go have that conversation in the hallway you tell them and you don't you I, don't ask I, them
3: i was never take I
1: was
4: never shy to tell somebody
3: they had to go.
1: Oh, you, we know Lisa. No. You know, though, but Not Lisa, you're on your shit. You're on your team, and you know I'm what on, you're doing. I'm on my
3: show, it's my show, you got to know who it was. I had no problem telling people they
1: had to nah, go. Nah, that's it, man. Yep. You know, so, so it was about protecting energy, but then it got to the point where it was just, it was rough. And, you know, but but the DC's things that I learned, like DJ Flex, uh, who does the after. You, you know you know that, you know, um. let me clear my throat. When he says, peace to CeeLo, Flex, and Doug Lazy. Yeah. CeeLo, Flex, and Doug Lazy all work for PGC. So, like, oh, okay. I knew those guys. They were legends. DJ CeeLo used to come up and take a pistol out and put it on the console before he DJ. Like, he was, these are like <laughs> le- DC legends, right? So, <laughs> Doug Lazy was a legend. So, like, I met, like, like, the guys in that town taught me professionalism. They taught me how to do... Uh, philanthropy the right way. They taught me about community. They were they were awesome, awesome heritage personalities that I met. DJ Flex will always be a big bro to me.
0: So how long were you on air in Cleveland then? Eleven months. Okay, so pretty quick stint there, and then that's when you made the transition and the decision they, to move back to. Minnesota. I was not
1: happy in Cleveland. I was vo- I was vocal about it in Cleveland. Like, yeah, I'm about to quit this bitch. Like, okay, I'm fuck about to quit on y'all because I was doing. Middays, they had me doing middays in Philly at Boom 107.9. I came on after Moni Love. Moni in the morning was the morning show and the throwback. And then Mr. Peter Parker in the midday telling old rap stories about Wu-Tang Clan and Craig Mack and shit like that, right? So, like... (laughs) That was cool, but because I did a good job with the storytelling about the, and the Philly hip-hop station throwback was playing like Wu-Tang and Tribe Called Quest. It was a really dope throwback station. Yeah. And I was on that as well, and they, um, because I did such a good job, Jay Stevens and Colby Colben them that run Radio 1, who are great guys, they wanted me to go to Dallas and do nights or afternoons at a throwback station and then run a bunch of the throwback stations. And I was like, dude, I remember saying, if Drake in Future drop What a Time to Be Alive Part 2, I don't want to be like, here's one more chance by Biggie Smalls. I'm not. No, I want to be on the pulse of the shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. a graveyard. You know what I mean? I'm not right. that old, bro. You know? <laughs> Yo, and so, so it was great. And then so they were trying to get me to, and I wasn't getting along in Cleveland with anybody. And. I was really getting vocal to the point where I was like acting up in meetings and stuff like that and fucking getting busy in the meetings and shit. And they were like, we're going to send you to Dallas. And Sam had told me that go was going to happen. So I go to the meeting with them and I'm like, hey, you know, we're thinking about this opportunity to go to Dallas. And I'm like, you know what, guys, I can't see myself in a Tony Romo jersey ever. (laughs) Um, I'm not a southern guy. You know, you whiz, imagine me down south. No, right? Nah. Well, fuck that. So I'm like, nah. No, no disrespect, but no, not for me. And so I say, you know what? I appreciate the opportunity. I think I'm going to have to turn it down. And and I actually was wondering if I could put my two weeks in. Wow. And the looks on they their They were shook, faces, I bet. They were like, you're going to what? And I go, you know what, man? I think I got something shaken in Minneapolis. And they said, you're going to turn down Dallas, four or five throwback stations, or continuing on with Cleveland, Philly? for something shaking in Minneapolis? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I ended up staying on all the way to my very last show. When they thought I wasn't gonna show up the last day, I showed up the last day, talked to all the listeners, and they all took me out to dinner afterwards at like an apple like a cheesecake factory or something like that we went to afterwards and like i was like hey see you later guys (laughs) and um (laughs) i came back and turned this bitch up you know what i mean so Uh, that yeah
0: so now let's talk about that so you moved back um uh and you now
1: go radio i'm living in jordan i'm living in jordan by the way in my in-laws basement in a house that they're renting in jordan which is about an hour from downtown minneapolis and
0: you were driving every day to the station right two hours round trip
1: every day in the winter yeah. so mind you sam wanted me there at 9 a.m 10 a.m and i didn't leave there till 8 nine, ten o'clock at night so i was getting up like right when everyone was getting up and i was coming back and everybody was in bed and um it was really rough it was really at first it was like cool i could do an hour drive <laughs> and and after a while it was really i used to roll whereas i would roll a, a blunt and get in the car, and I knew or, for an hour, it would take me, I could hit it five times, pay, hit it five times, hit it five times, and I'm back, right? You know what I mean? like. But but that just became, that routine just became like, shitty.
0: And now let me ask you this, because Go Radio launched in, was it January February?
1: My mother's birthday this January 5th, 2016. sixteen. Sixteen. My mom's so, birthday. Okay, so... so mind you, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going
0: to say, but when you came back, you came back late 2015, and you were going in there yeah. every day, like...
1: We were supposed to start December, and okay. we didn't. We started a month late, so I ended up fucking up my finances because I didn't plan on the extra month of not working. So, like, I came into a kind of banged up because I had to put another month on the books. And uh, the day that I... um. I'll tell you one, 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 I don't want to put anybody else's business out there. So the day that the station launched, my dad, his lung collapsed, and he ended up having to go to the hospital, almost died. And another family member had a really rough episode, potentially where they were going to hurt themselves. And, and the day the station launched, and uh, I remember going into that, like, like, are, are you, like talking to the universe? Like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Right. Like, all the stuff that we've been through, all the people that we had to get through. I mean, in D.C., Brock used to have to wait out behind the radio station because local artists were like, yo, we're going to catch the white boy coming out the building so he can play our records. And Brock used to wait in the car. And he told me later, he's like, I was there for two months, and you didn't even know I was there just watching you to make sure you were okay. Wow. That's how, because he didn't know who was going to be waiting to fuck me up or. Pressure me to like you know. Imagine someone. Imagine you step out the radio station and puts a gun to your head, right, and says you're gonna play the record tomorrow, right? I was playing local music, so
3: all because you're a white man.
1: No, just because I was another man. I wasn't one of them. I wasn't a DC guy. I was a guy in power. Uh, I was perceived as soft, you know. And
0: I, I was gonna say, I think there's a common misconception. Well, maybe it's true for a lot of people, but they look at you like, oh, he's a radio guy. So we could, we could we, you know what I mean? Like, we could we could pressure him. He's soft because he's on the radio. Crazy you know as I mean? fuck, bro. People get it bro.
1: confused. No, and I, and I make that evident very fast. Like, I like to make that point very clear that I'm not one of those people. Yeah. And so, so like, it was, it was kind of hectic. So, like, to get to that point where, you know what I mean? Like, mind you, I lost a job in D.C. four days after I got married with a two-month-old child with no warning. And they will like have a great weekend with no severance package after being the hottest. I made like 10 grand a month before of endorsements and fucking club appearances and my salary. And I get fired four days after I get married with a little baby. Like it was traumatizing. It was so abusive and like, and I end up getting in trouble in DC and fucking acting crazy after I got fired. And some of you guys have heard that story about me acting nuts and, getting like, in trouble, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, it, it, I had like a nervous breakdown, bro. Like it was so fucking hectic to be out there, put it all on the line and just get abused by some of the people in the building because they decided to go in a different direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Opinion, it's, it's really unhealthy. And, and I'll, I'll tell you now, before we even go forward, nobody will ever take my show away from me again. It's never gonna happen. Like I, I will never put myself in a position where someone could take my show away from me again. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? That's just moving forward. That's where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? Whether whatever it is. You know. And what does that mean? I don't know yet, but As it's not going to be in. It's, it's not. It's not going to be on someone else's terms. You As know what I mean? Like, yep. You got to think, and I can say this with confidence. With, his. You know I what Bud is doing? You hear Bud talking. Zach. You know what I mean? Like, and and I will tell you, I can say this with confidence. Like those shows those things we did we built go go was a 0.0 share no one had ever listened to 95.3 when i started I did that, we, barely, we barely advertised in the beginning it was just pete's back on the radio with no billboards or little tiny article in the star tribune and it went crazy mm-hmm. so if, if if me and my friends can create that type of energy. I could do it anywhere, dog. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. i was gonna say, hey, Pete. No disrespect.
2: You're right. You guys, as a whole, did build it, but you did that, Pete. Yeah. You brought the Thank team you. together. You formed. You deserve the flowers. That's your episode today. You did that shit, bro. Yeah, so when man. I knew when I knew you were coming back to do radio here, I knew that Twin Cities hip hop was in a good place again. No cap, because you know how we did it. You hit me up right away. I brought ten artists up there for interviews. Man, I got, oh, yeah. got Aqua Fresh to interview.
4: He was cooked. <laughs> he, was he started interviewing you.
1: He, remember he hit the pen in the studio? It was like a whole film. I'm like, come
4: on, man.
2: Bro. <laughs> I just I just put my hands up in the air and I turned around like I'm sorry. He's I
0: was a was wi- a, a wild man. You can't this, control him.
2: This he, video
1: yeah, Guys, yeah. his videos are online. I'm going to find it and post it on my Facebook. The later. Best. It's the best. Ba- he's the old, dirty bastard of the scene. He's like that yeah. type of a guy to me who's a – and I think Aqua, Aqua Fresh is a dope performer and a dope character. He, he really is. is a, he's a complete original. When I walk down the street on Lake Street and I walk by Bryant Lake Bowl, and fucking Aquafresh is out there with like an like a pet on a leash and like <laughs> these like slick shoes and like crazy Shit. pants with some girl. They're completely oh. annihilated. I'm like, you're the best. <laughs> you, you just know. poke him up <laughs> to an absolute cue, bro. He's not on top. I like characters, man. I like uh, he's one of the greatest
2: characters. Yes.
0: Definitely. So yo, when when Go launched, you were the only radio personality doing the show. Like nobody else was on there, right? Nobody else was on there. No. For it was like, just you.
1: almost just almost you. Like almost a year. Um, Hot Rod was doing some mixes, and then I brought David in. D-Mail was doing mixes, but I was the only on- on-air personality. I think, Tone, you might have been the second. Maybe. the second?
0: Well, me, me and Kush started together uh, 4th of July weekend is when I made my, when we debuted. So, ju- yeah. you know what I mean? So, so from basically from January to July, it was just you. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, like d was doing some mixes, High I was doing mixes, but nobody else was really talking. And then Kush and I were doing like mix show on like the weekends.
1: Yes. For, yes. for,
0: that's when we started.
1: One and- of my proudest moments of, of my entire career is putting Tony on the radio because when I was in Cleveland, And my back was against the wall and I was blackballed and I couldn't get a party. I did no parties in Cleveland. I had no appearances in Cleveland. I just did the radio show. And when I called Tony, can you help me in this moment? Tony, help me out. And to be able to return the favor and put him on the radio like we did and the way he succeeded, man, very, very, very inspiring and fulfilling experience for me personally to see my friend flourish.
0: Thank you, sir. I truly appreciate it, Pete. And like I said before, like without Mr. Peter Parker, there is no Twin City tone the to radio personality. Let's be clear. You no know what I mean? Because no, you're a, you a
1: rapper. You're a rapper.
0: Yeah, I was just rapping and I literally never even thought about being on the radio. When you called me that day, it was in May, I remember, and I was, I answered, I was like, hello. And you're like, you want to be a radio personality? And I was like,
1: what's <laughs> that like? Like that's why I called I Jimmy. I guess, like, yeah. Hey, you want to do the night show? Like, I'm like <laughs> here. You want to be up here with me? Like, yeah. Like, and then, yo, no, but but they cool. weaned you in. They weaned you in, and you killed it, bro. You killed it.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. Well, you told me from the beginning, like, listen, man, this is an opportunity. Get everything you can out of it, and I just. I got at them. you
1: one time at Darby's, man. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dog? Boom, man. Yeah. Do this shit, man. Yeah, and then yeah. From there, I remember told me like, oh. Like what? What time is this? Like, and, <laughs> but from that moment, bro, you haven't taken the breaks off.
0: No, nah, man. I mean, like I said, I That's two long, years man. straight, seven days a week, two years straight. I was on the air. Uh, that was a grind. Um,
1: yeah. Amazing experience, though. Amazing.
0: experience. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I had I had a, a an amazing time. It's a great chapter in my life. So let's let's get into a little bit of the go the go radio stuff. So yeah, you know, not, then then Augie, I believe, gets hired. Sophia, um, mm-hmm. Bonix comes in, um, you know, so, like, the, the 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 whole team is filling out. We bring Lisa in. So now we're, like, rolling, you know what I mean? Um, I know you brought – you handpicked, obviously, me. You brought Lisa in. Uh, you brought Bonnix in, right? Yeah, Bonix I knew
1: Bonix from back in the day through Wiz, and um, we met in Boston in this fiasco back in the day, and he was going to a station in Portland, Oregon that was kind of be like a – Phil Becker is like a guy like Sam who ran, ran a company called Alpha Media and he was trying to be, he saw what Sam was doing with Go and he's like, oh, so he did we 96.3 and he yeah. was trying to do local music and real culture. He had Ebro do the voices and he had, um, Bonnix was going to be me there. But when mm. he got there, when he got there, it was a shit show and it did not work out and he was very upset about it. He called me one night and I said, listen, he was all banged up. And I was like, listen, I'm not even going to sell you on this shit, man. You got a plane ticket coming your way. I'm going to see you out here this week. I go to Sam's office. We have to buy this guy a plane ticket right now. Sam gets a plane ticket. And he I just knew Bonnox was going to be the guy, you know, and nice. he, and he was, and, he, and he, did a, he had radio experience. He's a great on-air host. and He's one of the best DJs in America. So Yep. Yep. He's, he's, he's my guy, man. Bur- he was, and he's a Virgo yeah no 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 and and, and look at me and bonnix had our moments he'll tell you me and bonnix had a, a little a hot moments. you know what i mean where it wasn't always smooth sailing but we i have nothing but love for that man we spoke two days ago and he's he's moving around and doing things he's still here he's there and man Barnix is a stud man bonix is gonna be a star wherever he goes
4: yep yep
0: definitely shout out bonnix so mm-hmm. pete um i know you had a vision for the radio station And actually, this was, we got a lot of good questions. People DM me a lot of good questions. Uh, One question that I want to ask you is said, how did Go end up differing from your vision originally as opposed to how it ended up?
1: Okay, so in the beginning, it was really because we're an independent company. And the relationship usually with radio stations and record labels is like uh, promotionally, like the, the radio station is a promotional platform for a record company. So a lot of times you ended up, you end up getting promoted records that may not fit your market, but the the original blueprint of Go was true to the market. It was a reflection of Minnesota. We weren't going to be a DC station. We weren't going to be a Boston station. Things that work in Boston, like dance hall, reggae, like Meek Mill records do not work here, right? So it's like, you have to know your market, like where Meek Mill would be in DC, it's Mac Miller in Minneapolis. You just got to know how to plug the cog in for the masses. Mm-hmm. So it changed from being ah, we'll take what we want from the labels to really be more became it, it, the, the problem and I think what I the, one of the points I wanted to make in this today was what happened to Go wasn't a fault of anybody at Go. It wasn't Sam's fault. I don't even think it was any ownership's fault. I think it really was the industry is set up in a way where it is so expensive to run one of these companies, the licensing. People don't know, if you want ratings, it's $30,000 a month. What's that a year, Lisa? 12 Three, times 30? Five. 360. <laughs> right, so 300s, right? So then you talk about um, your FCC license is potentially up almost a million dollars a year just to broadcast. So these people are wow. taxing you off the rip. And a little 900-watt hip-hop station in Minnesota could make money. But in the reality of it, it, it our office was 30000 a month. The fucking, you know what I mean? Like, it was so expensive that we just couldn't. That's why companies own 50 stations. Because if 10 are doing good and the other 40 are fucked up, the 10 can carry the 40. But when one does bad, it's over. So I had gone on the radio and said, "Motherfucker!" One time, and we had gotten a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. We're done the next day. That it would have canceled our business. You know what I mean? So, in a lot of ways, too, Go ninety five three was there to lift Go ninety six three, and what that company was prior ten years. You got to remember the people that bought the poll ads and them bought it from Radio 1. So they had spent a lot of money before the economic crash, crash on a very expensive radio station that probably wasn't even worth this anymore. Right. People don't know this, right? So like iHeart. There's a thing about like iHeart and what they've done to radio. iHeart's like $20 billion in debt. Because when the, at the end of 2008, 2009, there was a A law about monopolies that at the end, right before Obama came into office in 2008, George Bush changed the law on the way out so that people could just buy up radio stations. So iHeart's like, word, we're gonna buy up 27, 30, 50, 60, 40, and these stations are worth now eight, seven, twelve. They fucking paid top dollar and everything crashed. So their business model of syndication. And mass producing is by because they're the, the 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 corporation is in debt. So think of that. We're playing against that model, right? And so for us, they have they have a hundred stations. They yeah, two stations. And right. it was it would they were expensive and it was like we couldn't get the traction. So at times I became very frustrated with the market because we were giving. And by no fault of anybody's, we were just like, oh, that's the radio station. And we're like, dude, if you guys knew exactly what we were doing, and you really knew it, you wouldn't act like this. You wouldn't act like this. you know. If B96 had lasted all the way up to 2016 and then we started Go, they would have put it like this yep. because right. they would have known what a trash radio station sounds like and then they would have heard us. But instead, people came back thinking, oh, this is radio. Bro, it was night and day. We were the best, coolest radio station in America. Yep. Nobody, yep. I go to L.A., like, I'm watching your playlist, Peter.
0: Yeah, everybody was tuned in. Everybody was tuned in. We
1: were the coolest radio station in the country, no doubt. We were the, we were the most boutique. People were copying us. And, the, and what I get is that we made an impact. Sway said one time when I went on his show uh, into New York, me and David went on Sway in the Morning, and Sway introduced me and said, if you sp- are speaking about hip-hop radio in America and you don't say Mr. Peter Parker's name, you made a mistake. Mm. That's dope.
3: That's
1: and I And I took that to the moon, G. I, I love no, Sway. That's, Sway is my big bro. He is an amazing friend and a mentor and just an advocate for DJs and culture. He is a wonderful person, man
0: yeah another question we got p this kind of ties back because you were talking about the comparison of b96 and uh go radio um what what were what was the, what was your difference in regards to experience with b96 and
1: go radio like what were the major differences b96 was a basically like a pop station that played rap music and that it was a at the time that's what they were you know it was a rhythmic station it was a it was like a contemporary hit radio slash urban so we we played rhythmic music and then we played urban music which is a certain category like you got to think there's like a rhythmic chart there's an urban chart there's a pop chart there's an alt chart so there's like there's money and opportunities and business and all the different charting so okay b96 was a rhythmic chr where go was a rhythmic that uniquely leaned indie so we were, we were like the Rihanna atmosphere station instead of being the Drake, you know, the Drake and the local and then the Joey Badass and Mac Miller station, where uh, every other rhythmic station in America was the uh, like, like the fucking Rihanna, then Young Thug. Mm-hmm. It would be like the, that. It would be urban, would be the secondary where we, we were dominated by sound set. We go to a festival of 50,000 people cheering for MF Doom, it's different, you know it's what I mean? Different. We knew it's different, so we, I knew the market, and that's why I was when somebody told Joe, If you're going to do a hip hop station in Minnesota, you have to bring Peter back. And because I was, I knew the market, you know, because I had to survive the first time, yep, right? I knew it, like that's the thing about DJs that people discredit or don't understand is. We're like survivalists. When you stand on turntables in front of a nightclub and you're picking records by looking at people, it's like you're at the mercy of every record you play. It's like you're really just like a mind reader almost. But you have to figure it out. You're so controlling
0: the entire vibe of the whole place.
1: By looking at them, though. And yeah. In college, I minored. It was really smart. I took a minor in psychology and it was one of the smartest things I did in my whole life because it gave me a little bit of a perspective deeper into people's personalities and how that they are developed and it gave me an angle to be able to analyze people in a way that I could ballpark stuff and it yeah really helped in the way I saw people in the world so that was really a, a smart I'm glad I did that I should have I should have majored in it and minored in communications but I wanted to be on the radio
0: Word, were.
1: Yeah.
0: A um, couple other questions, Pete. I know Lisa and Wiz probably have some questions, too, but I just, yeah, people, come on. people are hitting my DMs up. Um. Are there any artists that you wish you would not have interviewed while at Co-Radio? Fucking,
1: fucking Black Bear. <laughs> I hate, I fucking hated Black Bear's interview. He was terrible. Yo, he just was, a, he came in, fucked up on drugs, and his whole shtick was like, I'm am a I'm a bratty pop thing. And he was just like acting up and he was really disrespectful. I should have slapped him. Um, I remember this day. I wasn't there, but I
0: remember I came right, I came to the station right after that.
1: I'm doing an interview in the room, the Go Garage.
0: He's sitting next
1: to me. I knew from the second he walked in the room, he wasn't fucking with anybody. He was like, I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm like, oh, get him out of here, bro. <laughs> so I sit down next to him, and he's not looking at me. He's not vibing with me. He don't want to be there. He's fucked up on drugs. The, the room is filled with little kids. He pulls one of these things out of his pocket. You know those little, that you take when you have a cold? Yeah. In front of the whole room. He hits the bad boy in front of the whole room. So I'm like, oh, he's cooked. I'm thinking wow. to myself this is a kid who's already had surgery on his body from alcoholism at a very young age. He's like, a, he had bad problems with it. So I'm like, oh shit. So he's in there acting up. I don't even do the interview. I'm like, let me read the cards from the kids, right? Cause I'm like, I'm not <laughs> even gonna give you anything. I start reading them and he, and they're shitty, right? They're like fucking, what's your favorite color? You know, that's like weird and stupid. Yeah. And he's really like being obnoxious. And I ask him a question, he goes, Oh, uh, and leans forward and puts the whole mic in his mouth like a dick. No! Uh, no. Pause you, everything. <laughs> Sam walks out the room. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh, shit. I,
1: you, I look over to my right, and I and, and Lisa, what am I, Six two, two hundred 200 pounds, right? I go, I'm looking at him going, to grab him by the back of his shirt and by his belt buckle pick him up in the air and slam his body on the ground that's what's going through my mind I'm not going to punch him I'm going to pick him up and slam him on the ground that's how mad I was at him. <laughs> so instead I'm like alright that's cool I throw the questions off to the side and I walk out I sit and I look at the, bo- the, the, the 6 foot 9 bodyguard that he's with I go your man is a bitch and I wow. walk out and I'm like, no drops, no nothing. Send him on his way. Right. And and then he ended up calling him back, and he apologized to Sam, and all this stuff. Yeah, I should I, this is me be, do, this is me trying to do everything.
0: Wow, bro, that's a wild story, man.
1: <laughs> my, my mind, it was like a, a, I was like, and he probably weighs a hundred pounds, right? So I'm like. Boom! I knew I could, but I thought I would break his back. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I
3: wanted you to beat up so bad. Who? <laughs> trippy Red.
1: Now listen, if it wasn't for the Black <laughs> Bear, expe- listen, if it wasn't for the Black Bear experience, I would have acted up. But you it's can see there in that, and you, I just Trippy Red did not want to interview with me, and
3: I was ready too.
1: And he just I, was. I, he, he, back. He, I was ready. He, remember me in the thing I was like this
0: was his sound man. set right
1: I was like okay here we go and so, I fucking well, I hate I hate his music I hate his tattoos on his face he oh, sucks right so I'm like funny. but listen so I'm doing an interview and he's like yo pass me the twin snakes so it's me you know the candy twin snakes with the two little snakes they pop apart he's snapping a twin snakes during an interview not looking at me
3: yeah
1: I talked to him for like Two minutes and wrapped it up. That was it. Like, yes,
3: he did. It was. He was so disrespectful. I was like, Oh my god! If Pete punched him, I got that one right there. Laura was with us. I was like, Laura could get that one right there because he was just so disrespectful. You know
1: what? You know what my you know what my experience tells me Lisa least in my life, that's an unhappy little kid. Right. Yeah. And and that and that I actually pitied him in that situation. Yeah. Because he really I'm a really cool OG that could have like and and like his friends would like his friends his managers or friends of mine and stuff like it was like everybody was rolling their eyes uh you know what let's see how it all pans out for him i wish that guy the best but i i, I mean come on man
0: yeah yeah i was going to say do you, do you remember uh your dipset interview from like 2010 and Julio Santana was he was he like trying to be an ass or was he just super high
1: I think Juell's – now, you look and see what happened with Juels. No disrespect to Juell's. He's been through some shit. He got yeah. locked up. I, You've seen it with his teeth and stuff like that. I think he's been through some shit. He was very, 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 very high. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I, think he didn't know me, and he was just laying – Yeah, he was laying down. And I remember that, I was like – Remember I brought up Votto? I'm like, yo, you, kind of, you know what Votto's doing? He kind of reminds me of you. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get him going, you know? But me and Cam are really cool. See, that's the thing that only matters. Me and Cameron are really cool. And I've introduced Wiz to Cam. It, it, like, uh, Cam is my man. So that's all that really mattered.
2: Remember, I didn't want to go back because I didn't want him to be an asshole. I was like, man, what if he's a dick and I'm not going to like him? Because
1: I knew he was going to be You're cool like, with no, me because we're cool. I, I told remember he was you know, excited like to twice. see
2: me. I told you no
1: twice and you were like, "Bro, come on." Cuz I knew, I mean, okay, you know why? You know why? Cuz when me and Tone went to see Mob Deep, remember I said, "Yo, let's go see P and them." And I said, yeah, "Nah, man. we'll get them. We'll go see him next time."
0: And then he f- died like 6 months later. Right. Rest in peace, so I never you, never
1: again. That's uh, you're you you benefited off of us missing that. And I was like, "No, we're going to cuz you never know.
0: You never know, man. You never know.
2: And Cam was cool as fuck. I remember
0: we were Tim in the back Brock.
1: laughing. yeah like, crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, cool, bro. Cam's a real one, bro. He's a really good dude. He's a smart guy.
0: Man. Legend. Yeah, real legend. Shout out to him, man. Shout out to Jack Knutson still over here in the, in the comments, man. we
1: love story time. Jack loves story. Time.
0: Shout out to Jack. He said, Lisa, I've learned a lot from you as well. And Wiz is everywhere. Yeah, Wiz is out here.
1: Of course. <laughs> Yeah, Mayor of
0: the city, shot. man. Um, give me another P- tough one. Come on. I got I a got, question. You, you.
2: I want to go right to it, bro. Who's the most annoying artist that wouldn't leave you alone to get on the radio locally? Ooh. Come on, Pete. Let's hurt a feeling today.
3: Alright, already <laughs> hurt feelings.
2: There's some <laughs> that emotion. I know are 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 annoying as shit that
1: you know who's annoying? Who I like though. I can't remember his name, man. I got a
2: couple of questions. They're not no. going to be horrible, but they're going to be.
1: Nah, you know what? This time around, I actually. How about this, Wiz? Let me, this is a great story for you. We put so many people on the first two years. First three years, we put so many people on. I felt like the market in a way and the indie artists locally couldn't keep up. And a lot of people started falling back. And I was, I never really, I stopped two years ago i said, let me take a break real quick. And I never went back to it because no one ever sweated me again about it. So it really became something that, that was more of a B96 thing. And I think that this time around, nah, nobody really swept me to be on. I actually probably wanted that a little bit more, you know what I mean, to be honest with you. I think I wanted a little bit more of them to come after me, you know?
2: Yeah. I know during B96 people were coming to get on the radio.
1: It was nuts, but but this time I was like, "Where are they at?" And now that it's gone, imagine how many how many people are shooting themselves. They never picked up the phone and never came to the party. Yep, right?
4: yep.
0: P. Who who honestly was the best DJ at Go
1: Mixer or personality?
0: It just says DJ. I would imagine technically like a mixer, like phonics Yep.
1: Yeah, and I'm the best personality. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just because of my experience, you know what I mean. Like I have, you think of the ten thousand hour rule, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we had calculated one time, me and Kush figured this out. If if I did six breaks a show for fifteen years, that's seventy five thousand talk breaks. Wow. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no disrespect. Now. How remember when you being with me, Lisa or Tone? How comfortable I would be, and how I would always make you feel uncomfortable, and how comfortable I was. Mm -hmm. That was through experience. I learned how to do that. I learned how to play with you guys in the studio, and like I was, I was a disruptor because I was so in my bag. I was able to like get you guys to react. It was all about me making you react. Yep.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If I could make Lisa laugh, I was a home run every time. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Shout out Benny Lee
0: in the chat. He says, uh, What are your top five Go shows?
1: Oh, easy, easy, easy. The first Wiz Khalifa when my daughter performed was a, a BFGS. unbelievable moment in my life. BFGS was tremendous. I, I was having a hard time that day enjoying the concert because it was so much activity going on. And then when I put Viv on stage, it was really a surreal moment that me and my family, I mean, it was wonderful. And to think of the picture of me in that fashion show, I was able to give Vivian something far more tremendous than that. So now that's her point moving forward. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and, and if you talk to Vivian, she is going to be a famous singer. She was going to perform on stage. And that's what she's doing with her life. She is an artist and a singer amazing I
5: love
4: it. yes
1: and a fashion designer is what you wants to do yeah? there it is, there yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so I said, I said number one was the whiz the first whiz i yep. love the joey the joey badass show was really dope because i was a big fan of joe and i really supported devastated more than anybody in the country and uh when they sang devastated like it was a fucking hit record at the end of the party i remember feeling really proud that we helped do that yeah. um that was really great uh, the Wiz Khalifa at the Armory with the family and everybody there and all of us was a trip. But I'll tell you, this is scary. This is this is the reality of this. That day when you guys were there and everybody was having fun, I felt very sick. I did not feel healthy. I remember being on stage and feeling like I could I was going to pass out. Mm. Um, I remember remember when I was doing the introductions of everybody. Yeah. In the middle of that. I kind of lost myself in that. And I was like, it was like such an odd, surreal moment. And I didn't, I'll tell you why I didn't, I liked and I didn't like that show because I didn't feel butterflies being on stage at that show. And that was the first time that I had never felt butterflies being on stage. I was jaded. I just felt like this is what we do.
5: Mm. And
1: I just didn't feel healthy that day. And I don't, I didn't feel great about it and personally in my head and my, what was going on with me. and. Yeah, I'm glad everybody loved it and it was a wonderful big success 6000 people but I was torched. I was working way too hard, way too hard. Because here's the difference between me and a lot of radio personalities. I project when I speak from my it comes out of me. When you're with me you can feel it. I'm like a I talk loud and aggressive. I can't turn it off. So for me to do the amplified show seven days a week for three four years became like physically exhausting. I didn't want to tone myself down and be like, oh, I'm gonna go 95.3, we got some music. That's not me. <laughs> so I had, I was just cooked, you know what I mean? Like that, I, I, it, that was a great show though. Um I think the the Joey Badass was great. Those two were great. Uh, I loved when Jesse Reyes came out at the Dage Loaf Show and and went crazy. She was awesome that day, and she was really sweet to these local girls, and that was a really great experience. Yeah, I loved them all, man. I, I I loved them all. I curated them all. I picked all the talent. Um, I did it, like in the in the in the vein of the leads shows that we did in Boston, where I was a host and the DJs and the the culture of it all. So I had a lot of experience in, whiz, not a rap concert but like a cultural event a community-based event
5: mm-hmm.
1: that's what it wanted it to be I, you know what i mean that's what i missed you know I got so they t- were all wonderful they all wonderful
0: here's a tough one that i got <laughs> yeah. who was your least favorite person to work with at go radio
1: hot rod <laughs> I love, actually, I like Hot Rod as a dude, like as Peter and Rodney, we're cool, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, 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 and I, I'll, I hope Hot Rod is watching. I like Rodney as a person on the one-to-one. Our styles are contrasting. Our way we approach the business is contrasting. Uh, Hot Rod and me did not mesh. And I like him. Yeah. You know, I worked with Rodney for a long time, but there was we, we were not on the same page at all the time, and it was difficult. I I told him I wanted him to run alongside me, and for whatever was going on in his life, he couldn't mm-hmm. or didn't. So that was the most the most difficult, I think, was Rodney. Okay, I I right. and maybe unfairly, I had expectations of the promotions director, and I wanted him to be passionate about it, and I wanted him to be. I I I don't know, man. I just want I, I I wanted a little bit more from Rod that I didn't get.
4: Okay,
0: that's that's fair. Yeah, Pete Rodney, good, Mister Peter Parker, Hollywood High Rod. No no, no, no okay.
4: good. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, biggest regret from your time at Go Radio.
1: Yo, my I a couple one, sometimes I kind of rush to get out of there and six o'clock, maybe voice-tracked a couple of shifts, shifts later. You know what I mean? I probably would have just stayed longer, I think sometimes, but I wanted to get back to my family. I wanted to see my daughter before bed. Sure. Um, you know, I wanted to dip out early and, um, and I wanted to dip out early and read her a book before she went to bed. So I would dip out. So it was, I don't regret it, but that was tough. Um, I, there was things I didn't get to do there that i wanted to do you know i wanted to do cool sunday programming and saturday programming even more than we did with lisa really eclectic cool programming on sunday mornings i wanted to do i wanted to mix on the air i never mixed on the air and because i didn't have a practice space in my apartment i didn't feel comfortable going on the radio with it so i never really mixed on the air um that was a something i wanted to do but you know I don't really have much regrets. I, I really left it all on the table, you know?
4: Yep.
0: Yep. Okay. Lisa, what you got? I got a few more, but I don't want to take over, you know what I mean?
1: Like... All right, Come on, Lisa. Yeah, hold
3: on. Hey, get over else? Ask that one already. Oh, so what was your biggest accomplishment?
1: Oh, man. I'm going to tell you, those billboards really did some cool shit for me, and um, right before my dad died, um, we had had a, it was a weird choice. He didn't really understand what I was doing. And I tried to explain it to him, but, you know, he grew up in New Hampshire, and he was a salesman, worked in construction industry and things like that, very blue collar, and he just didn't really get what I was doing, you know? And when the billboards went up, he was like, oh, you, Peter, you made it. Somebody, in his perspective, a company was investing into something massive like that to advertise, show, and it was kind of validifying what it was. So the billboards, I remember in D.C., Big Tigger had a billboard on New York Avenue when you were going into D.C. and everybody was kind of made a big deal about it. Like, oh, Tigger got a billboard, Tigger got a billboard. I have fucking 200 billboards up in this mm. town. Right. And we, it, 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 we're talking about the one down, we had two of them down on, right next to First Avenue, yo son that was unbelievable like those billboards were daunting in a way too they made me feel like i gotta show the fuck up now i gotta really show up like now i gotta go stupid and the boards were everywhere everywhere g and and that was amazing to have that as a radio personality that's like a trophy that you it's an unbelievable thing and i can show people that for the rest of my life like hey yo check this out they're like Mm. whoa whoa okay uh, how many people, you know, like, like that Lisa had a billboard, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's hip to the game, what it can do for you. It's, I had it's a, a unique I had a billboard. Thing. Okay, Wiz, okay. Damn, I'm okay. left
0: out. I need a billboard. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you, you good. No, no, so, like, for what you're doing, man, I'm man. glad
1: you didn't have a billboard, bro. Stay low. Stay low, bro. Stay low. But that, that yeah. was wonderful. billboard think, P. Um, being the music director of the station and being able to move the music around freely, that was awesome. That was something that radio stations was really taboo, like touching the music, and that was awesome to be able to um, to be able to be in control of the records and do what I wanted to do with my show and stuff like that. That was a really great accomplishment. That was awesome.: Yeah, definitely.
3: And you had yeah. a conversation and you told me about um, machine gun Kelly and that you kind of started like his career. Yeah,
1: a little bit. <laughs> I, I was involved in the beginning. So um, what happened was, as B96 was ending, we kind of knew it. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to flood the internet with these mixtapes so I can get my brand rolling. I did like a best of Eminem that was like from nine, everything from 96 to 98. It was called the Etox. Did like 80,000 downloads, crazy. Mm-hmm. I did like a, I did a best of Ice Cube called No Sleep Till Compton. I did all these tapes, and they were really doing. They would get up on two Dope Boys. I was early on Two Dope Boys, and now right with the interviews, and um, you just doing like running up on, waiting outside trailers, and interviewing rappers and stuff like that. We were early on that, so um, what it what, So yeah, I, I think that came to me. You know, uh, Machine Gun Kelly's friend Slim, that he's always with a tall black yep. kid with a Slim is his best friend from high school. Slim called me. They ended up paying me like, I was charging about $1,000 to a mixtape at the time. They ended up paying me 600 bucks. I did the tape. And then that summer, I was at a producer showcase in Boston and Jamaica Plain. And this guy was like, yo, who you working with? I said, check out this kid, Machine Gun Kelly. And I played it for an A&R from bad to from Bad Boy. And by the time I got back to Ashley, his manager, I was like, can I get a contract of 15% of whatever I bring to the table? They're like, nope. <laughs> He was gone. So I basically was kind of like big. And at that time, my tapes, because Kells has got signed, people were looking at my tapes. And they, there was a kid that I did a tape with from Cincinnati, Ohio, named Candid McFly. I ended up finding out years later that like Warner Brothers or one of these companies was trying to sign him off of the tape I did because of the Machine Gun Kelly shit. Wow. And I didn't even know. And they were like, we couldn't find him. I'm like, well, you should have called me. I could have gone you the kid. And that was, they were trying to grab him without cutting me Without,
4: in. yeah. All
1: right. So this is the game. It's like very treacherous. And so, yeah, I was early with Kells. I have a great relationship with those guys. They're doing different music now and I'm happy for their success and things like that. But it's its not my cup of tea. But I, I think Kells looks really natural out there doing what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. that's all went down. And then when I went to Cleveland, it was crazy because they all threw that mixtape in the garbage. And they told me, oh, Opie Taylor, little white boy. I'm like, yeah, Kells. And so then when he dropped Till I Die, they eat, Ashley and them emailed it to everybody at the company. And I remember looking at the email like four or five days later. I'm like, yo, this is a, they said, we're going to give you this to you before we put it on the blogs. So I took Till I Die and started talking about it on the internet and played it 10 I times in one, and had the whole country call it in, z one oh seven nine and Cause you're the only one that had it. That's but crazy. all the DJs at the station had it.
0: And nobody played it.
1: Wow, and crazy. And then afterwards, there was a rumor that one of the DJs over there told all the local artists, if you give your record to Peter Parker first, I'll never play it. <laughs> Hey, wow bro that's what i'm saying but the look that is a confidence builder from where i'm from right i feel it the hate
3: does that do something to you <laughs>
1: eminem eminem had a line he said i love being hated it's great It makes me feel like i made it
3: yes
1: it's real yeah it's like
3: love it. it you
1: have to be when i went to a job opportunity one time down in providence Rhode Island, do to a morning show one of the people in the company said what are you what are you how are you going to act if you get all the talent fees and you kind of get on and everybody kind of like is jealous of you and i said those are their emotions they got to deal with that
0: yep you're not responsible for that
1: i'm not responsible for how they feel now if it's an altercation we can talk about it but if i, I can't sit around and worry about everybody's feelings like to feed my fucking self you know what i mean like yeah so exactly so nah, So yeah I, I think that's what it is it's just weathering it it's any any su- sort of success breeds jealousy like that's so what it's cool it's part of the game yeah part of the game
0: well you know they say if nobody's hating then you're not doing anything
1: right 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 you gotta like do and hate is a more powerful emotion than like i like someone I hate someone it's just Maybe. powerful you know what i mean like and hate sometimes, man. It's just misguided. It's just like, oh, I wish I could be next to these people. Oh, I wish I could be next to that girl. I look to be next. You know what I mean? It's just misguided shit, man. Yep. Yep.
4: Yep. yep. Is,
3: there, is there a local artist that you really feel like that you wished maybe that you could have like put yeah. under your wing and like took their career further than what were they? Man, at? I
1: feel like I feel like Plaza could be on the moon right now. You know what I mean? Like Plaza could be Plaza could be Jordan or Lucas.
3: Mm-hmm. Facts.
1: All right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like for whatever it was, he's not there yet. I I fucking think Jay Plaza could be a big fucking deal if he if he if he got his shit together. You know
0: what
1: I mean? Yep.
0: Yeah. Wiz, I I mean, I
1: got more. Come on, Wiz.
2: All right. I got a question. What artists that everyone was hyped on, you didn't think was really all that?
1: But uh, locally or nationally? Let's do both, locally and. Nationally. All right, lo- lo- locally, I would say, I think somebody I think was locally overrated. I told Dwayne L. Rowling, don't get gassed when the car because the car and them gave you them little tickets, man. You know what I mean? Like you right. got to keep working. Like I thought, I think Dwynell's L. Was dope, but I think Dwynell needs to get back to work. I think he needs to continue to put it down and not let some accolades. Define him. And I know he'd been through some shit and me and D are on a 100% page. Enough respect, but I feel like Dwight Nell Rowland could have done more. And who overrated national artists? <sighs> I mean, I, there, was some, there, there was some pieces of shit that came through, like Lil Xan and them. Like oh, I, thought, yes. I, I thought that shit was trash. Uh, but I think for, the, for, for all the, little, the national records, you gotta re- remember if people ain't fucking with it, it doesn't make its way to radio. So everybody had an angle and I'm able to do two things. Like y'all know my personal taste. Yep. Right? Right. But I have professional taste. I have a personal right. ear and a professional ear. And I had to develop that over time. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's and important.
2: I got one more artist question and then I'll leave the artist questions alone. What artist did you think didn't have it locally and then over the years prove you wrong? Mm. No, they, they got
1: nice they got better yeah, yeah yeah yo prof snuck up on me i thought right. prof was a really cool rapper but when he was young he was like kind of annoying he would call me and be real cocky on the phone and whenever i saw them in public they were wasted right. and i just didn't i, I didn't but then, but then when i came back prof was lit yeah. and i i felt like i i remember I didn't really take Prof that seriously when he was younger because it was just a lot of kids. It, was a it wasn't it like, was, a, it was a big party then for them. It, he, they were, they were young and they were really turned up and they were like, it was, it was like um, some of the goofiness didn't resonate with me. And I was like, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I slept on Prof. I just wasn't excited about Prof. And then once he figured himself out, I was like, okay, I see it. And I, when I came back, I felt bad. Like, oh, is he gonna diss me? Cause I didn't. No, nah, me and Pete are like buddy buddy. So. I already know for sure.
0: Well, Pete, we got somebody in the in the chat that goes by the name of Miles and Zelda, aka Miles the DJ. That is my bro. Shout out to that guy. He said, "I uh, love the conversation. Who's Pete got winning the NBA title?
1: NBA title right now. If I the had to put my listen, Lakers are tough. Joker right now." is unbelievable in Denver. And him and Jamal Murray, I think, could get the Lakers a little bit of a run for their money right now. But I think the Lakers addition of um uh Schroeder is a great point guard and Schroeder could be a deciding factor for the Lakers this year because he is a stud. East Coast, man, Celtics are getting it together. Um I don't I don't count out a team with LeBron James on it, man. I really don't. You know what I mean? Like I would I would say that. But but at the same time you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Lakers, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about the Super Bowl, Pete? What do you got yeah. For? What, what about
0: what about tomorrow, Pete? I know you're I'm you're gonna 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 you right right now, the Patriots bro.
1: fan, but I'm going to tell you right now. Hold on a second, ready? Uh oh. Hold on a second, right Uh-oh. now, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> boy. <laughs>
0: Yo, what he's doing is unbelievable for him to be in his 10th Super Bowl, the first team ever to play at home in the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are a better team, but I can't bet against Brady. I can't do it.
1: 10,000 hours, Tone. He's going to be in there. He's comfy, comfy, comfy in the bowl, right? He's yeah. down in the warm weather. He's at home with the fans. I think it's going to be a great game. Well, Chiefs favored by three points.
4: Yeah, it'll be close. I, I, it's
1: good. It's going to be close, but man, Tom Brady's a stud, man. I don't know. He is a stud.
0: Yeah, I think he got it. Now, if he does win it, will he retire? or Is he going to keep going? Keep
1: he said he's going to go. He 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 thinks he can go past forty five. He said. Amazing. I oh, want that, but but that's inspiring to me because I'm in my early forties and I feel brand new. I don't. I feel better and smarter than I did with my uh, my twenties. I mean. I, I, I can run, I can jump, I feel yeah. healthy, I, I feel great. So, like, I, I relate to what Tommy is doing and, and the, the the resilience, you
0: know? Yeah, man, it, it, as long as you take care of yourself, eat right and exercise, get enough
1: sleep, listen, man, we're, we're well-oiled machines, you know what I mean? We just keep pushing. I'm healthy, man, healthy, man. Um, I, I remember the game that Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady went in. I was watching the game, and I was a huge Drew Bledsoe guy. And I remember Tom came in, and threw a touchdown and said, Oh, this kid Brady's going to be okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, all these years later, man. One of the, actually, the that man. was going to say one yeah. of the greatest, the greatest ever to do it. The greatest.
1: Yeah, yeah for he, sure. He, yeah, but Mahomes, though, Mahomes is starting early. He could go far. Mahomes is yeah, very, I Mahomes mean. is man. serious. And, and, and Lamar Jackson is amazing. There's a, yep. there's a whole new NFL and a whole new NBA happening right now, which is exciting.
4: Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: Lisa, what else you got?
3: Wait, hold
0: on. I know you're sitting on some some. I got,
3: I got some more. All right. I Okay. So this is a little. So this is a little controversial. Here come
0: the loaded
1: questions. Here we go. Okay. So I, watch, I
3: But I gotta know. I gotta ask. These pe- people ask me to ask huh.
1: questions. I know. I know.
3: Um, Toki Wright. What's
1: mm-hmm. what's the what's the beef? What's the issue? No issue, man. Here's what happened: Toki Wright was working for the current, mm-hmm. and Lee, um uh, Sophia wanted him to be a judge on Shut Up and Rap. Sam is a radio guy, like a radio thirty year radio person. Mm-hmm. Lisa, you know this. Radio radio people don't canoodle with other co- radio companies. In D.C., if you got caught taking a picture with a DJ from another station, you get fired.
5: Yeah.
1: It's that competitive. Mm -hmm. So we weren't allowed to let – I was trying to explain to Sophia, like, yo, Toki can't do this. I know he's a cool guy. Toki was one of the first people to go on with me the first month I was on the air at Go. I have pictures in the studio, audio with Toki saying all this stuff. I've been, I've been, I've known Toki for a very long time. When Toki moved to Boston, okay, backtrack. When this happened with Sophia, Sophia was novice to the game. She did not understand this and it's okay. It wasn't, she didn't know. And so we, we had kind of gone to like a little argument and a staff meeting about this. And I was just like, yo, stop it. Like I'm not going to argue with this with you. And, and sometimes with the staff, I was looking for a little bit more respect because of my tenure in the business to lead you guys in the right direction instead of being questioned on stuff to the fucking high hilt. Right? So like for me to be like, Hey, Sophia, this doesn't work. I just taught her how to do the radio show. I taught her about the mix show. I taught her about the breaks. Now I'm teaching her about this, but now she has questions and very aggressively asked questions. And so, me and her, we got through it and stuff like that. And afterwards, I called Toki and told him about the situation, and he was very cool about it. He was very like, I understand completely, Pete. I called him, I walked over to Caribou, and I said, Toki, it's not a personal thing, I have nothing but love for you, blah, 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 blah. We got off the phone, things were great. When Toki decided to move to Boston, I called him on my own and said, Toki, I would love it if, You go out there and hit me if you need anything. My best friend runs all the rap concerts. My other best friend is the ticket broker for all the Celtics and Red Sox and Patriots. He can get you tickets to anything, right? I know all the Jamaican food restaurants. I know all the soul food restaurants. I know all everything, seafood, everything. Call me. Let me help you in my city, Mm -hmm. right? So then when this stuff came back around, it had no merit. So Toki, I think at the time, and I don't want to speak out of character because I don't know, but I will say what I heard. He was going through some personal things at the time. Mm-hmm. Something had happened in his family with a family member. With a, something had happened, and he was on a, he was on one, and he was doing what he does. I have nothing but love and respect for Toki Wright. With that being said, I don't know where that came from. Why he was then he said that's what I, I, when it said, it, I never down talked him. I never said that he, any, nothing. This was, this is the truth from my experience. So whatever was communicated to him or whatever was happening, I was only one phone call away. We have another mutual friend, uh, Adonis Frazier, who is manages uh, Jamal James, brother with Jamal James, the boxer. I trained in their gym in, South Minneapolis over at Circle of Discipline for almost a year with those guys. So, me and Adonis, so he was my boxing trainer, right? When I was going through shit, I went over there and hit the bag every morning for like a year. My hands are crazy, right? So, he's like, yo, I knew this dude, right? Like, I knew him. So, I called AD because a- AD and Toki were in a group together, the core. core. Right. And I said, Toki, I said, I said, I said, AD, call him and let's just kind of like figure it out. Nothing ever came to him. So I did the diligence of reaching out to the friends to to, to talk about it. I refuse to talk about it on the internet. That's complete, complete sucker shit to me. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing but respect for Toki, and I wish him the best. I hope everything is going great. I, I people, yo, Doug. Here, here's a major thing that you, know, you gotta know about me. If we have a relationship, and you go to social media and talk about things that we've talked about. Try to get at me on social media, try to um, like subtweet me our conversation. I don't fuck with that Yo. at all. Oh, and if, very and if you show if you show me you're that type of person, you are removed from my circle. Mm-hmm. I do not mess with people that put other people's business in a in a way. I just not that's not it, dog. We're all grown-ups. So if you have a problem, like I did when th- I called Toki. Right. I've never changed my number in twenty years. The same phone number, my first phone number, of my whole life.
5: Yeah.
1: Still yeah. got it. Toki can call me right now. Not so. So at the end of the day, that's my perspective. It was all love. So he must have got some poor information. And shit happens, man. Because like you said, Lisa, there was people that I may not know that have may out ideas that just decided that I'm the villain. Yeah, that's a fact. It's cool. I'll play that role, man. I'm cool with that. Okay. Yep. Okay. Like I said, it's a, those are their feelings and they have to deal with that. Because if you could call me and we could talk about it. Yep. Question just
0: came in, Pete. Were there any DJs at Go that were hired that didn't fit your original vision as the founder visionary of the station?
1: No. Everybody was cool. Everybody was cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, even a guy like Augie who came from... Uh, hip-hop radio in Arizona he had done pop radio in uh, in down south in San Antonio but the first thing I did when he got there is like okay like I got really good on stage by doing hip-hop shows like I got good on being on stage so I knew the connection with the local artists was the claim to fame I was transitioning into more of like an afternoon personality so when I created Shut Up and Rap. I was like, this is yours. This is your thing. And I, me and Josh Murray went over and pitched it and we put it together. The name Shut Up and Rap came from the terminology album, Shut Up and Rap. Shout out to term. Right? Yeah. So, I, That's my brother, right? So I took, get, put that on. Um, and then it was like, here's the formula and do it. And, I, and, I, and on purpose, I didn't go to Shut Up and Rap unless I was hosting. Cause I wanted Augie to take ownership and to shine. I did not mm-hmm. want to go there and knowing my personality and jump up on stage with a fucking fur neck jacket and act like an asshole. Like I just was like, nah, let's let Augie build, you know, and I wanted him to do great. And so knowing someone that came from maybe didn't come from the same background that I came from, I was looking to help grow him in a way. So yeah, it was, everybody was awesome, including Augie. He did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. Well, all right.
3: All right. I got another one. Okay. Come on, come on. Um, so you so you hear artists from Minnesota say it all the time. I'm gonna put Minnesota on the map, I'm gonna put Minnesota on the map. My
1: biggest pet peeve.
3: And they don't put Minnesota on the map.
1: <laughs> listen, it's it. listen, it's already here. Listen, it was right between Wisconsin and them, right? Right. <laughs> you remember a little group remember when Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced control by Janet Jackson? Yes. Boom. Well, fuck them local rappers think they're gonna do bigger than that.
3: So what but what do you think has to happen,
1: though, for a... They got to a a hey, okay. this, this whole ideology of putting Minnesota on the map is a very self-serving thing. Okay. This person is telling me what the state has to offer is insufficient, and okay. what they have is bigger and better. Mm-hmm. So, atmosphere, mm-hmm. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, mm-hmm. Prince... Morris Day, Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure those guys really established us the same way that New Edition,
5: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Like Belle Bib DeVoe, Marky Mm -hmm. Mark and them, Mm -hmm. Donna Summer, Mm -hmm. put on for my city, right? So like the, the ideology, it's a very, it's a very juvenile ideology to even say that because the state is here and rocking and the people that usually say that usually ain't doing shit. And it really discredits everyone else that's succeeding. So to me, it's not about, put Minnesota is fucking here. And, I, and, I, and here's a newsflash. Wiz, you notice 90% of Minnesota don't give a fuck about hip-hop. Right. Yep. 90%. 90. 90. I used to say, for every one of us, for every one of us, there's over 10,000 regular Schmoes, mm-hmm. right? So, like, at the end of the day, it's about building your business, right? By like doing your music, building your company, and doing your thing. I think Taylor J is doing a good job right now in do operating in his own space. Shout out to He, has, he has a him and his people have a certain way that they carry themselves. They street guys. They serious business, but they've done it on their own. They. They did it without radio. They built their social media. They have a great situation brewing with Empire, I hear. So, nice. it's not it, it. It's really corny to say you're going to put me on the map. Prince did that, and you're not going to top Prince. No, right. ever. you yep. you're disrespecting Prince at that point. And the Prince and the conversation really is Prince and Michael Jackson. Yeah, who's that's the? It's is it right. Bird or Jordan? Is it Prince or Michael? Yes, that level, Fuck. the greats. When the greats. You think that, look, you think trap music is
2: going <laughs> to. <laughs> Amen to that, bro.
0: Pete, you mentioned Rhyme Sayers. I want to ask you this because Wiz and I did an episode a few weeks ago and we, yeah. we said, you know, is Rhyme Sayers finished? And we talked about all the, you know, the allegations that that came out with a lot of their artists and stuff like that. Uh, can I, I they bounce back?
1: Hell yeah. Um, think about if the same scenario went down for Cash Money, think about if the same sh- scenario went down for Rockefeller Records. Think about if the same situation went down for the Rough Riders Crew. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they would have denounced themselves publicly? No. Mm-hmm. I think the core of Rhymesayers Foundation stems from indie rock culture. I think they're hip hop guys, but they also marketed their business and learned through the indie rock aesthetic.
0: Yep. That's what Slug said when he was on the episode. They watched the rock bands, the indie rock bands, and they basically took that formula. But it was hip hop. But they were like, they jumped in a the van. They went from city to city. After the show, they'd be like, hey, does anybody have a couch we could sleep on? And they would just grunge it they, out. They,
1: right. On. They That's what they did. They did the indie because indie they went on the Warped Tours and things like that and saw what it was. They saw mm-hmm. their fan base. So I think the way that they handled that and the way that they're handling that now, I think they made mistakes and shit, right? But people that love music love the music, man. I remember one time I was in Boston when I first moved out here and I was at a, my ex-girlfriend's friend's house and he was like, you guys live in Minneapolis? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm a big Atmosphere fan. I'm like, oh, they're dope. And he's like, have you ever been on Hennepin Avenue? <laughs> wow. I was like, I've bro, like 15 minutes ago. and <laughs> Because they had made it into Slauson Boulevard,
4: right? They had
1: made it into 125th Street, Yep, right? Because of the perspective outside. You know, when I first went to college, I thought it was gonna be like a big frat party and everybody was gonna get, it's just like a school, bro. It's like (laughs) the perception versus the reality of things is different than it is. I think they're gonna be able to bounce back. Do I think that they did everything right? Nobody does. Nobody. And does. they make mistakes. Yeah. Are they guys that are come coming from damaged situations potentially? Has Slug been through a lot in life? From them? Yeah. I think they did. Um, I don't. I'm not big on cancel culture. You know. Um, mm-hmm. you know when you see Army Hammer right now recently, uh, the DMs flowing around that he's drinking blood and biting people's toes off and shit like that. Okay, that's uh, cannibalism. All right, you're gonna lose your movie, right? But. Right. Rap guys being bad boyfriends. Yeah, I think it's, I I think it's bad, but talk about Lil Wayne's relationships for a couple of minutes, man. Right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, Dame Dash dating Aaliyah and then fucking Jay-Z doing two albums with R. Kelly. Who, who who basically raped fucking dame dash's girl right and jay was like "Nah, it's business bro i, yeah. I just think I, I just don't think it's as sometimes the world is forgiving and i don't believe we're in a space chaz kangas told me this one time i said you think Con- you think kanye's done he was like no one's ever going to be done because mm. of the internet because of the internet so like if there's a market for Takashi 6 9 there's going to be a market for atmosphere. There it is. Amen.
0: If Takashi can go snitch on everybody, come out and and, and still have a career, nobody's ever Back done.
1: Backtrack. If, 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 if he can be convicted as a pedophile and he yeah. can still do it and people can overlook that? That's great. No, it's crazy. Well, it, it, it's a reflection of America now. Before, we had gatekeepers that were giving us music and culture now it's like the internet's this broad it's like it's like outer space it's like never ending right so there's always going to be if there's a market for weird german fetish disgusto videos there's going to be something for takashi there's going to be something for bod sun there's going to be something for everybody you know what i mean because at the end of the day yo i love people that have done bad things I have friends and I have family members that have done bad things that I still love. Mm-hmm. Who would I be to cancel them when, you know, I wasn't in their shoes. I wasn't in that moment. Um, I wish those guys the best. It's a difficult thing they're going through right now. You know, they put yeah. on for the city big time. It's crazy. They did how many years of sound set? And the whole market said, now we're going to drown you.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I have the utmost respect for those guys. They're hustling everything. And back, I told Wiz this, like, in my early years, when I'd go out of state and do a show, you know, wherever. And if you say, yeah, I'm from Minnesota, the first thing they say is, oh, yeah, atmosphere. OK.
3: It was right. almost or like, Prince. like,
0: right. yeah, but I'm saying, like, on the hip hop, like, course, you're doing, like, an course. underground hip hop show. I'm from Minnesota. Oh, atmosphere. And then it's, like, yeah, automatically, right. like, you're kind of, like, one of the cool kids then. You know what I mean? right.
1: I wore when I went to Wyoming to do the Kanye West thing, we had the big bonfire and everything yeah. like that. I wore a gri- my red Griselda hoodie with the Rhyme Sayers coat over the top of it. Just to let everybody know what time it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Cool. It so, is. nah, it is what it is. Uh, uh, moving forward, though, the toxic alpha male abuser energy is not going to be tolerated and it shouldn't. And that people that used, being a rap star to manipulate young women which right. is dead it just dead yeah yeah yep. it's dead
0: Whitney wants to know in the comment section do you think soundset will come back
1: no no soundset's done no. I think I, if, if I had the guess I would say Rhyme Slayers is going to uh retreat slightly into back into a boutique label that does what they do and I think that they will continue on that way and they will be more of like an underground Thing, you know and mm-hmm. they will enjoy what they're doing they've made some great money mm-hmm. i don't see sound set coming back yeah i don't you know? think so I don't no I, I, no way because I, and i could tell There's they not- moved no they moved from the main stage over to the small stage into the atmosphere and friends which was the real sound set for them yep and then they, so they had a big bullshit main stage like fucking little uzi verts and whoever migos and whoever and then they were over there with West Side Gone and Queli and them. Right. So the Rhyme Series and Friends became the original rhyme. So you could tell. They were scaling it down.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: It was getting yep. too big, bro. And, and the artists, to change, and it's different now. Like, I'm glad, we're, dude, some little Mosey records and shit. It's tough, man. Some of the records are not my favorite, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that was one thing I, I used to struggle with too, and I know you did too, Pete. Like records, like you know, people they want to hear them, but it's like uh, this is trash. We'll play it, I guess,
1: but it's just like, uh, well, it's but then, but then if you but then you look and you say, oh, that song has done six uh, 18 fucking million streams this week on Spotify because kids are sitting there with their phones doing it. When I was a kid, probably seven eight, my cousin had um. Two Live Crew. That's cassette. And yeah. My female cousin had the, the, the and so she took me in the closet and we shut the lights out and laid on the floor and listened to Two Live Crew. Like <laughs> now the kids can sit on their phones and play Takashi 69 over like this. Right. And if you got a kid, hey, give him the phone. Give him the, be quiet. Take the phone. You know what I mean? It's like uh it's how it goes now, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep.
4: The phone
0: so, becomes yeah, so like I the I
1: the, the problem with the charts it's a babysitter the, the the problem is the dsps and youtube and that are run by children young adults and children and they control the charts so the music that's being promoted to radio is younger than the demographic that's in the cars and the
0: listening afternoon. to
1: it yep. yep we had more families with kids driving around listening to go than we did cool kids trying to get in the fucking zone right like it's is what it is. That's why we didn't play the Cardi B shit with the WAP record because it's you imagine in the car which – you. No, turn it off. Like it, it was more. It, there was there's not enough cool kids in Minnesota. You know what I mean?
0: Where does Mr. Peter Parker go from here?
1: Independence, man. Independence. I'm whatever I'm gonna do is gonna be me moving forward. I'm not locking down with anybody. There's gonna be no exclusive contracts. I'm going to develop my own brand, and it's going to be a lot of fun because I'm going to represent myself in a rated R fashion. It's not going to be, I'm going to say motherfucker and shit on the street. shit, I'm going to be myself. And yeah. it's going to be real, like today was. And um, I'm going to control the music my way, and I'm going to be on all of this shit, Instagram live, Twitch. I'm talking to people at Apple Music. I'm looking over here what they're doing on Clubhouse, mm-hmm. and I'm really digging into the bag of where do creatives go moving forward independently to build their own shit and to just be fucking dope without somebody telling you, uh, can you t- tighten that break up a little bit?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bossing up. That's what it is, Pete.
3: Tell me, Pete. It's that's right here. The it, Mr. Peter Parker show. Pete, starts
4: that's right here. what we want,
0: bro. Yep. It starts on a, the phone.
2: We want an unfiltered Peter Parker.
1: We're going to. And I felt inhibited for a long time, man. I couldn't be myself. I couldn't say what I wanted to. And it was fun, but it just got kind of played out. And now I'm like, you know, we were driving a fucking dinosaur like it was a Ducati, man. The shit's over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I think. man. You know, um, I remember who said it. We had somebody on the show and they were saying like radio from here on out is it's it's dying. It's going to be like pretty much satellite radio syndication. But oh, like, yeah. the, you know, like the, the old model is it's phased out. It's done
1: because because when you program something for to be listened to only for like 15 to 20 minute intervals. Mm -hmm. you really take a lot of the soul away from it it's by nobody's fault it's the nature of the business and then think about what 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 iHeart did to us we were on with 900 watts playing hip-hop we couldn't go too too urban because that wasn't true to our model we couldn't go too too pop because that wasn't true to our model but what kdwb did was they started playing nf mac miller type shit g-e-z be over there and then they they launched that 1025 translator that played all the urban stuff we couldn't play instead of competing against us straight up with talent they tried to do what they call cut us in half Hmm. and say "Ooh, because the locals say 1025 or this they kind of flip back and forth i can't even tell you how many times i went to a barber shop or got into a fucking uber where i was like why are you listening to this like you know we're here doing for the city and you're listening to this they don't they didn't know they didn't know what they were doing and that's what that's how competitive it got where a a company that's in billions of dollars in debt is trying to kill you not with talent not with hard work with numbers and demographics trying to cut you in half yeah it sucks it sucked you it sucked. can't compete with that you know we we did and we, we did I for a long the, time i but... had the bitch it was tied for seventh place in the market in the pandemic and afternoons was in fourth place when they shut it off.
0: Those numbers are really good with 900 Watts.
1: In a pandemic by myself again. Yeah. Because, because I knew the responsibility I had to the market, to my friends, to listeners, to my fucking family. Yeah, it became, right it, became a, it became a responsibility. Yeah,
4: right way, Pete.
0: Yeah, did, I mean, you definitely did your thing, Pete. Uh, n- you know, nobody's gonna look back on the Go Radio chapter and think like you didn't you didn't give it your all. You left nothing on the table. I don't think anybody did. I know I didn't. I gave you too know?
1: much. I think I gave too much. I I I I'm healing from what we did, and I uh, I think at times I sacrificed my mental health. I sacrificed mm-hmm. my physical health. Uh, and and I'm not going to do that again. I'm never going to put myself in a situation where I sacrifice my mental health to make someone some extra money, dude. Really. Like it's not. It wasn't about what I was. It was like, how can I get the shit? Off? Like nah, bro, fuck that. Right. I, I'll do my own thing, man. But I, right. I think I, I think I know what I'm doing at this point, And I have the relationship I relationships I have that I, I think we'll be able to create something. And like I said when we started this, I never want to be in a situation where someone could take my show away from me again, man. I, I bawled my eyes out for about a week when go ended. I just purged. I was just so sad. And then once I got through that a little bit, I started to heal. I started to reflect. And um, I'm happy for the experience. I feel very grateful to the family. I feel grateful to Sam. They, mm-hmm. Everybody did their best. The nature of the beast, man. It was just the nature of the business. And COVID. If COVID didn't come, it would be, we would be flourishing right now. It was COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. But I got, but 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 but, but Tony, I feel so healthy and ready for the next shit now. If it didn't end, it could have burnt me out and fucking ended me. I could have quit. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You you're know? right. Everything happens for a reason, man. We just gotta embrace it. You know what I mean?
1: It's all good, dog. And you guys all were a part of it. You guys having friends and family around, I'll tell you one of my biggest regrets. Is not getting whiz on the air. That's all good. We talked about it a lot. We did, and I would, and I, and I, and a one of the one, and I'm totally transparent. We did the one thing I was looking for from you, was for you just to show up. Right. I show wanted it. you because because you think hearing these stories of what I've been through, whiz, that I was the guy out front of radio station banging on the door. Right. So I was looking sometimes for you just to be like, yo, Pete, I'm coming down right now. And I would have, I would have been like, okay, but to, when you take somebody and you put them in there, I had bad experiences with that. So it's like, I was looking for that extra step, but it never deterred or dude, y- yo, I wanted you on the air.
2: And it should have probably happened, but it didn't for a reason.
1: It's okay. It's okay.
2: I
3: remember it's, that. I remember Pete telling me that. Yeah. You were looking for some, you were I had looking talked
0: to Wiz, to Wiz, and I talked about it a few times about some stuff with the radio. Yeah,
1: it's all good. But but we but we live, we learn. We're all friends, and I think Wiz had a great experience with the channel, even though he wasn't a personality on the air. I think he I think Did. he had a good time with it. You know what I mean? You were part of it, Wiz. You were. You were in there with us. You know? Yeah. Oh. Sure. I felt that way. You yeah. Were. You're family, man. Family, big time. No doubt. No doubt.
0: All right, Pete. Well, does anybody else have any other questions for him? Nah, y'all yeah, good?
1: Okay, okay. I got a question for you guys. Okay. I got a question for you guys. I'll go like this. I'll go all around the room. Lisa. Okay. Fav- favorite personal moment, if you could pick one moment.
3: Personal moment?
1: One personal moment. From Go? From Go? Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> favorite personal moment from Go? Um, the first day. The very first day the when, first
1: we, when we when we're in the conference room
3: the conference from the conference yeah. room yeah. to shadowing you to uh, leaving and going to um, part not was the parlor to get the mm-hmm. burger mm-hmm. With, with some executives the first fucking day
1: That's cool that's cool that's cool, that's cool. Yep. Tone, what yeah. is the biggest thing that you learned as a personality working with me?
0: Um, man, there's a lot. I would say that, uh, (laughs) this is what I'll say. Embrace your opportunities, even if they're not ones that you were expecting. And I say that because, like I said, when you called me that day, I lit- when I say this, people are like, nah, you must have thought. I literally never, ever, even once thought about being on the radio. I never. Not knew that. one time did I think about this. I knew that. So when you called me, I was taken aback, like, yeah. And you're like, all right, come to the station tonight. And then I just came there that night, and I just showed up every single day. I never, like, it got to a point where you were like, Tone, you don't have to come in every day now. Like, you're good. Because I would just come in there and watch you do your show and hang out. And you're mm-hmm. like, Tone, it's good. Like. You don't have to come in every day anymore. I would just come down there. But what I'm saying is sometimes like, yo, for anybody listening, even if it's an opportunity you weren't even considering, sometimes you just have to say yes and see where it takes you. Because if I wouldn't have said yes that day, who knows where I would be. I mean, this took this, you know, I I had the podcast going, but this me being on the air, obviously elevated the podcast to another level. And I had more listenership and more people tapping in. So yeah, man, uh, don't don't overlook your opportunities and don't be afraid to say yes, even if it's not something that you considered before.
1: Wiz, what was wiz, 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 what is the biggest thing you learned today Today, on the podcast, what was the most out of this whole experience? What's your takeaway from this, man?
2: There's a lot actually. Um, just how passionate. You really were for our city here, man. You know what I mean? Like, coming from where you came from, how much love you really had for us in the Twin Cities. Yeah. I'm from here, born and raised. I haven't went nowhere. And for you to uh, love my city as much as I do, yeah, I learned that today, and I appreciate you for that. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say this before I forget. To anyone that ever said that Pete didn't put on for the Twin Cities hip-hop here, you're full of shit and you're blind because... My so, man, um,
1: question your intelligence, man. He,
2: he did, he did way more. He did way more than any other radio personality has done for our city, and um, you didn't have to do that shit. You didn't have to give a
1: lot of these people. You opportunity. know what? And I'll tell you why I did it. I'm. ended like this. Minnesota gave me an opportunity to really like express myself and and fulfill a dream of mine. Right. And so, to for me. I had to give back to the city because I was living my fucking dream. Like, this is what I wanted since I was, like I told you, so I was five, six years old. So to be in there, it was like, it really was the the philosophy. My mind was like, it's not about me. It's about them. If I can make it about them, hopefully in turn, they'll they'll make it about me. But it's really about the city and these people, because when you get a full-time job, you're representative of a town you're representative of a community and it's your job to uplift that community and those people that's what it is it's a giver's game it's not a taker's game it's a giver's game and and, at times I gave too much but at the end of the day it was I I was my admiration and even if times personality wise I may not click with people here or my i may be too brash or whatever and my frustrations of driving around here and the traffic, how people drive here and stuff like that i get frustrated <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it's different than the east coast i get fucking mad i beep in uptown people think i'm gonna kill them um and yo it's like i love the town man i love the town man i, I would love appreciate it. it
3: are you gonna are you gonna you plan on staying here
1: Yeah, my my wife and my daughter are here. They're Minnesotans. That's what they. My wife is from here. My daughter goes to school here. Her friends are here. If if somebody offers me a humongous job in a major market like like a New York or an LA or something like that, I would talk about it. But I I ain't going to Baltimore for thirty five grand. I ain't going to fucking Indianapolis for thirty eight thousand dollars a year. I ain't going to fucking Arizona for sixty grand. Yeah. That's what these—that's what these opportunities are now. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not doing that. I—I think we can do better with the phones and the equipment we have right in front of us. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: I agree with that. Okay. Pete, it's been a pleasure, man. You know I, what I mean? I didn't
1: even finish my drink. You had me talking, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it has been a pleasure, though.
1: Always a good you guys time. Are incredible. I'm so proud of you guys and what you've been doing with this. And I think this group is tremendous. I think you guys are. This is just the beginning for you guys.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, man. All the opportunities you've given all of us, and uh, you know, goes without saying. But if there's any uh, anything that we can ever do for you, it's a phone call sure. away. You know what I mean? Sure.
1: Now, now, once I get busy and start doing stuff, all of you guys are going to be involved, man. I got I have plans, and I'm developing ideas right now. And uh, yo, know, I'm excited, man. I'm excited about the future. Yeah, oh, me too.
0: Me too. The future is bright. Uh, shout out everybody in the, uh, in the chat, everybody checking in. Benny Lee's sure. still in here. Shout out Whitney, Jack Knutson, Timmy Sheets, everybody. Uh, if right. you could do me a favor and hit that like button, though, that will help out on the algorithm. Come on, do it. That, get those likes up,
1: subscribe. Look at subscribe. this. I'm to show you before you go. I got some more toys in there. Check us out. What you got? So this is cool. I got, oh, here we go. This is something I got on the, in, uh, when I went down. I had an endorsement with Inside the NBA when I was in Cleveland. And oh, I went yeah. down to Atlanta, and I ended up going on the set. And this is one of the promotional items that they gave me that broke, but I'm gluing it back together. I oh. got the oh. <laughs> the bobbleheads, but Barkley popped off. You know what I oh, mean? Man. Like I got a glue, oh, that's I got a glue, Too. Beaks <laughs> yeah. and volumes, right here. Look at this. But he, he lost his head. Look at Ernie's turned up. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we got to fix Fuck it. Oh, that's cool. Man. This is. I'm gonna fix this. This is really cool, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then I got that I and mean, then this is kind of a cool thing that I end up getting. It's a cool rock nation hat, right? Oh, Check yeah. it out. It got the Maryland patch on it on the side uh, because Emery Jones and them out in Cambridge on the Eastern Seabird board were putting some work. I I, I, I lived in Maryland. My daughter was born in Maryland. My that's right. Died in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So this is a cool hat. Like I don't wear these type of big bucket hats no more. You know what I mean? Look at this. That's, <laughs> that's, hat, right? that's you know, Peter
0: Parker O six right there. This is me, this is me walking into a 50. skate ultra lounge.
1: You know what With the double X, with
0: the double XLT.
1: You know Hell I mean? yeah. Yo, bagging somebody's chick. Look at this, Okay, I'm here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so this is cool, this is Muja's that he put together. And this is yeah. a collaborative effort between me and Muja. I helped, we talked about a lot of ideas, and I said, that tattoo on your neck is really the move. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, this is a really great thing, that this came through the pandemic, and shot to Muja, Messiah. He's doing an incredible job right here. This is, I got a record. This is a cool thing. I ordered this vinyl during the pandemic, right? This is, this right here is um, a 1986 pressing of Def Jam group called Original Concept. This was Dr. Dre from Yoan TV Raps group that he was in, in the early 80s. Wow! This record, this song, Biting My Style and Pump That Bass Line, Mm-hmm. A lot of the Beastie Boys' first album was taken from original concept. That mm-hmm. Rick Rubin was influenced by the breaks and the riffs on these records. And when you listen to Pumping That Stop, Pumping That Bass, you can hear the No Sleep to Brooklyn riff, the origins of it. So, this wow. is like one of the most sampled and ripped records in fucking hip hop history that I got. I found on eBay for $8.99. Amazing. So, I'm this an is e- what we're doing. Lover. This, this is what we're doing over here, man.
2: My eBay shit <laughs> gets deep
1: sometimes, bro. Bro. <laughs> Let me tell you what else. That's why I got. This is more purchases, right? Here we go. So this is this is uh, very influential. Very influential for me.
4: Oh, How yeah.
1: Sure. Out of print, right? Volume three. I got that one. Right? Yeah. And then in, in, the, in the cases somewhere, volume two, right? So we got them all, right? So like, yeah. these are the... I'm What's your to get favorite back. one?
0: I, mine is volume
1: two. Two is the best one. The Nas, Nas style on two style is crazy. Is crazy. Talk about and and yeah. three good. Two's one. one. I bought one with rolled up quarters I stole from my dad's bedroom. I went to the <laughs> bank, cashed them in, and bought the shit with the change I found on the floor. <laughs> right. and, and it really inspired me to DJ and shit. Like, that's what we were doing. Like, yeah. I've been doing this my whole life. This is. Big, so you know, this is cool. I went down to Strange Music and they gave us these little rings. Oh, that's dope! That's dope. Right, little- so, so, so you pull up on me, you never know, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know and just shit like that. You know, what I mean, I'm a collector. People, don't re- I'm people don't realize that like I'm like a super duper collector of shit and like. I'm I'm into that shit. Like, magazines from 25 years ago and stuff like that. I got all these magazines from 98. Crazy shit, man. You know what I mean? I just collect everything, man.
3: That's
1: dope. That's dope, Yeah, That's
0: dope, bro. All right, Pete. Appreciate you coming through, man, and, and, you know, spending some time with us, chopping it up. And when you get, uh, you know, your new venture and everything rolling, come back on and we'll talk about that, you know? Definitely. Uh Uh
3: Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Barkley.
4: (laughs) Barkley.
0: Barkley's out here. Barkley
4: heads.
1: Yo, man, look at Ernie. Gone.
4: Ernie. <laughs>
2: Gone. Er- <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Like, I can you, you
1: When we were there on the set, I was standing in the back and I had a Cleveland Indians fitted in a red flannel on. And Shaq comes walking into the room. His feet were this long, right? I remember it's like boom, boom, boom. And he sees me with the fitted, and Shaq's like, points at me. I'm like, yo, I'm like, god. Right. So then we're chilling and whatever. I go up through like into like the sound where all the people that do the show work. And yeah. Ernie is up in the sound room talking to the people, getting them ready for the show. He's such a nice guy getting everybody prepped. And the day I went was right after Barkley made the comments about the Ferguson rioters and said mm-hmm. that they were idiots. And him and Kenny and Shaq were beefing. And they were not in the same dressing rooms. They were all in different dressing rooms. And so they, we were supposed to get 20 minutes with them, but we only got a meet and greet up on the stand where they sit. And I walked up, and I walked toward Shaq. Mind you, I've been a fan since he was in LSU. So right. I walk up, sitting down. He's almost as tall as me. <laughs> I come around in the back of him and I put my hand on his shoulder and I look down at him and I said, "He goes, he's like, what's up, bro?" I said, "Man, I said I saw blue chips in the theater, bro." <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of that was impressive. I'm like, I saw blue <laughs> chips in the theater. My he looks at me. He's like word word and at that moment i'm like i'm talking to Shaq. i gotta go so i'm like i dip off hey. now now i'm on ernie i'm like good to see you ernie. then kenny me and kenny are friends i have a relationship with kenny because his his daughter was um an r&b singer and he used to work the records in dc and come out there so i knew okay. kenny smith kenny is the fucking man bro he is super a- cool but so i'm like what's up kenny i dap kenny i look and it's barkley so I'm like, what's up, Charles? And he's the nicest. Hi, how you doing, man? Hey, nice to see. Doing all the Alabama Chuck, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good. So I take the picture with them, and then they get up and leave. And I sat in Barkley's chair and picked his mug up and pretended to take a sip. I remember it that. Picture. You had that
0: for your avatar for a while. <laughs> for a while.
1: Right, right, right. So it, that was a, one of the greatest experiences of my radio career, being on the set of that show because I'm a 30-year watcher. Yeah, yeah. Sure. that would have been something surreal. And I was—they shot the Christmas commercial that year while I was there, and I'm in the background. Oh, Dang. really? Yeah.
4: You, you already, already do. I,
2: you already know this basketball shit, Pete. How would we? Fuck went the rappers, man.
1: Dude, I, I, dude, I met Paul Pierce in L.A. I'm like, you're a Boston legend, ball. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I hugged the him, truth, him. The truth. The truth. Not a great broadcaster, but amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. But amazing. <laughs> He's saying some bullshit. Right? <laughs> you up, guys done? Are, you. done? Are yeah, we done? Yeah, we done, done, man. We're done. <laughs> Look out of here. Look, I've had enough of you guys. Get out of here. Man. All right, All
0: Pete. You. Appreciate you, man. We okay, out. You, man. Peace.
3: Peace. Bye, Pete. Bye, Bye guys.
0: guys. Bye-bye. Twin City Tones Podcast. Yeah.